detective, thrill me. Scream! Scream for your lives! You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Oh, I know this creature of yours. When the dragon gets this old, it knows nothing but pain. Scientists are saying the future is going to be far more futuristic than they originally predicted. Welcome to Mount Careboard, gentlemen. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. So, celestial event. That works. You really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't you? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy podcast, the crossroads where science fiction, fantasy, and horror meet. I'm your host, Nathan Bartleball, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Bill Van Vagel. Bill, how are you doing tonight? I am doing great, and once you find out why I'm doing great, this is going to be one heck of an episode. So I don't want to talk too much. I want to bring the boys in, and let's get this going. Yep, and bring the boys in is not a euphemism. We actually do have guests tonight, and... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you can hear them in the background so before we it's gonna be one of those shows ladies and gentlemen uh, before we uh release the crack in here uh bill one of the reasons i'm sure bill's very is like, one reason bill is very excited is this is the return of the vod roulette episode Woo! and the irony I, I, is the I, very I, last I've been, sorry i've been looking forward to this for like two weeks i am so jacked up for a vod uh roulette Yes, and for and you've been pestering for a better part of a year to, to get back to it. And the irony is, the last one we did, uh, we actually had these guests on, so they killed it dead once, and we'll see if they can't kill it dead a second time. <laughs> but Man, anyway, put a guy on the spot here, yeah, right? No, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot to live up to. <laughs> I think we can do it. <laughs> I'm confident. Hey, I think we can screw the show up just like we did the last one. Well, these these guys have bailed and screwed a lot of things up. So let's introduce um, them. Yes, yeah. So we, Bill, why don't you take it away? You do this. <laughs> well, these two lovely gentlemen I've known for quite a while, and they're great guys. They love their music. They love their sports. They love their horror movies. They love their gore. They've got a great show that's live on YouTube every now and again. Well, not quite live, but live when they recorded it. And they're great guests of the show. They're great friends of the show. We promote each other. I can't ramble on enough about Ryan and Gerald from the Horror Chronicles. Gentlemen, What's up, everybody? You know what time it is. <laughs> so tell uh, us, Gerald, what time is it? It's time to get the party started. It's time for Gerald to put his pants back on. Oh, <laughs> hey, we're doing a no pants dance. Hey, I feel like a news anchor. I'm sitting at a table. I've got a screen in front of me, kind of a semi sort of prompter, and I have no pants on. So, hey, it's like and this CNN is why it's an audio, no video stream on our end. Over here. <laughs> yeah, because we got the lights on this time. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Not in the dark. What's up, everybody? Hey, guys. JT and Ryan here uh, for Chronicles. And of course, when you guys said, hey, we want to do a video, we're like, eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spin the wheel, make a deal. Let's do this. Right? <laughs> or is Let's it bust a deal, this. face the wheel? That's a- <laughs> I was, yes. ju- I was just excited that they asked us to come back. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? We often think that, but we always get invited back. We do. It's kind of we weird. Do. Maybe maybe it's one of those things of they really screwed it up the first time. Maybe they'll do better the second yeah. time. Well, and, well, and I just we just uh, we'd had so many different things going, we didn't get back to it. But the real reason is we want to kind of uh, jumpstart it back. We thought who better to jumpstart it than the guys that tried last time, and then we just dropped the ball. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, that's what we s- do. We're a couple ball droppers. Over uh, here. We drop the ball. <laughs> Okay, I think we're talking about two different things. But uh, um, anyway, you know, though, it's interesting because we did that episode. It was last year, and we talked about The Barn, Shockma. I think it was Dark Was the Night, and then I must have picked a movie, but I know The Willies, The Willies. And, you know, it's funny how appropriate, but it was it was funny because, for one thing, uh, Shockma, I'm hearing so many people now in the horror community kind of discovering it for the first time and oh, talking yeah. about it. And I, I, if you go over to uh, Jay the Dead's new horror movies, he's made the that baboon noise the official noise of the start of the podcast. You're just nice. Shockma screaming. And um, more than a year ago, we were the ones saying, "Hey, look at that baboon hump that door." So you know, uh, yeah. I feel like we were I feel like we were ahead of the curve on that one a little bit. I and think then, we're the one that popped it off. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, and then the the barn that I think was JT's movie last time, you know, uh, I had a lot of fun with that. And we went to, I think it was Horror Find in PA. I went with with Doc, Dr. Shock, Dave Becker, and oh, yeah. uh, Steve Morgan. Yep. And the three of us were walking around, and we we came to the table, and the director of the barn was there, and he had he was selling oh, some of his other movies as well. Uh, what, what's his name? Justin Seaman? Yes, yep. He was there, and yeah. he was he was signing posters, and I – I told Dave about the barn and he bought it and he, uh, he got, um, uh, he had a great time with it. He loved it too. So it was, was a lot of fun. He probably hated it. <laughs> see, no, see no. My, my sick imagination spawns all this. Yeah. yeah. So people start to, and why is it every time I think of Shackma, I think of Kate and Allie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but it was fun i think my memory is that the movie that like the quote-unquote winner of that episode was ryan because i think dark was the night had the most unanimous everybody really liked it not that i was actually like the others but yeah i was really yeah, surprised with that movie um and I mean, to be honest with you, the only reason I chose it because freaking Zach Morris was in it. So, and we may we may give that honor to him again tonight too. I know, man. I think <laughs> I I, I I got this one in the bag, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we'll oh, anyway, a little bit, but uh, hey, at least yeah. you're consistent. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so anyway, well, the Willies was fun. Oh, that's right, you didn't like the Willies, right? I don't yeah, think that was. It's Gerald's a fun favorite. watch. I mean, yeah. What's it? Uh, James Karen in that? Yeah, yeah. I went James safe Karen on that one, one, and this time I was like, yeah, let's just spin the wheel and pick something I really haven't seen before, and we'll yeah. see, you, see you, how you that pull, worked out for us. You pulled a true bill. You randomly chose one based on a description. That's the point. Was there a bullet in the chamber or not? We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, before we uh, you go too far into this, and the audience is like, what the hell are they talking about? Uh, so yeah, we each picked four movies, and we, I think we'll just reveal them as we go along, and yeah. uh, we'll, yeah, we'll go through, good. we'll review the movies, and then uh, we can kind of regroup and, and see, see what we thought about them. Ryan, how about you go ahead and start with uh, your movie? Okay, so I chose, everyone knows, well, our listeners know that I'm a huge vampire head. 
And um, so I chose a movie called Blood Runners. It's on Tubi. Um, yes, it's on uh, Bill Vision. Van Vagel TV. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, to be honest with you, the main reason I chose it is just because I seen Ice T on the cover, and I was like, "Hey, eh, I'm gonna pick that one." Yeah, and it's yeah. a vampire movie, so cool. <laughs> and um, you know, it was directed by Dan Lance, uh, and like I said, it has Ice T in it, um, Michael McFadden, uh, which I mean, really, Chris Brolin, you may know, or Bo- Boylan. But I mean, Ice T's the main character, and you know, the guy everyone would know. Uh, and it's basically set in the '30s Prohibition area era, and uh, corrupt cops discovers that the popular speakeasy in town has been infiltrated by vampires. Vampires. And so, I was when I when I first started watching this. This movie really sucked. Yes. Oh, <laughs> actually, you know what I was thinking. This movie is, is, is you know, watchable. Um, it is. It is. Yeah. And my thing is, and we'll get your guys' opinion on it, but what I was thinking is like, damn, this would be a great story with a better, if it had a better uh, budget. I think this, this would be a really, really cool um, story. Well, to Yeah, tell, I mean, know. it was a low-budget film, but they they did have some cool effects on it. I would lo- I, Basically, what I'm saying is I would love to see this remade, but with... With uh, a big budget. Big budget. Yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, not I mean, even I big, just good. bigger. Bigger, yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and maybe, maybe a little bit better, you know, directing. You know, but, Zack Snyder you know. would tear this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but could you imagine like Mike Flanagan doing this? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you know, and that's the one thing that makes me mad about these movies is like, dude, this would be a great film if it would be. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. granted, it was a good movie, and we'll get your guys' opinions on it and what you thought about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I, it's based in, you know, the prohibition era and this cops find the cops find out when he's not hanging out at the freaking, uh, whorehouse, he's finding out what's going on, uh, with these, uh, vampires that are running the, the bar, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I thought it had some cool scenes and the story behind it was pretty decent too. Yeah, you know, yeah. it really threw a lot of that, you know, them, uh, those tropes of prohibition. Um, what is what's what's the one movie and and I know you love this movie with the guys that are running Moon Lawless 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 it kind of had that lawless feel to it mm-hmm. but with vampires yeah. a little untouchables know? yeah that kind of thing yeah 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 because the cops were like dirty and yeah you know, you know I, kind of like they were back in the thirties you know a hundred percent you know and that's the whole thing with it is that I was I was under the impression I was like man. Like just to see this redone would be cool. I think. Yeah, I love the yeah. storyline of it. Um, and of course, you know, Ice T was in it. He wasn't in it as much as I thought he was going to be, but he's in it. Or, right. or as big as his picture is on the poster. Exactly. Right, right, exactly. Right. And the poster for this movie is really freaking cool. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it really sucks you in. <laughs> <laughs> How many times can we? <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting on that all day. I've been waiting on that for two weeks, Bill. <laughs> Come on. What uh, What are you guys' thoughts on it? On it. So Bill and I, I think, have learned that if the poster's cool, the movie's usually awful. And I'm not saying that's the case here, but I remember encountering this movie, like walking through Walmart or something and seeing it probably when it first came out sitting on the shelf and be like, I've never heard of this. There's Ice-T really prominent in the middle. That means he's in this for five minutes. 
Uh, and he's, yeah, crying, yeah. he's in it for more. And it's like, it looks cool. What a kind of fun concept. And man, I bet this movie is kind of bottom of the barrel. Like maybe like a sci-fi level trash where they just going to throw all these things together and, Oh, it's prohibition. And then they're not going to do anything with it. When it first started, and I was expecting very low budget. And you're right, it is low budget. But I was struck by the fact that, hey, you know, the movie isn't isn't shot terribly. It's relatively well designed. Now, Ice-T's got that earring in there. I'm pretty sure that's not a uh, Prohibition era earring. No. But the the setup and the, you know, everything's kind of like serviceable, right? Like the acting's not terrible. And then the thing that surprised me is, oh, wait, they're actually legitimately trying to tell a story here. They're legitimately trying to have this be a prohibition era, like, you know, crime uh, drama action film that happens to have vampires in it. And the vampires are there and they have a pretty interesting reason for, you know, it's actually kind of a smart idea to have the, the concept that the vampires will just infiltrate this this already criminal activity that's going on, the bootlegging, and they can run their operation underneath of it. And that's kind yeah. of a neat idea. The main character yeah. here, he's not bad either. Michael McFadden's character, I mean, he's exactly the stereotype you expect. But his backstory, now the way it's shot, I'm not a huge fan of, but his backstory that takes you back to World War One when he's in mm-hmm. the trenches that would make such a cool movie just in and of itself. This guy trapped in a trench and almost like a weird rear window kind of idea. He sees what he thinks is a medic helping people, but in reality it's a vampire who's killing these guys in the trench across the way. Can you imagine you talk about, uh, you mentioned Mike Flanagan. I could see Flanagan make an entire film out of just that, this guy in the trench and there's the vampire over there, that, and that, could have been a good low-budget movie. You wouldn't need a lot of money. The problem when you pick ideas like this and you don't have the budget is you really have to be very creative and be telling a really good story. And the problem, I think, that you guys are kind of touching on is the more legitimate it tries to be, the more boring it is for most of these movies. It just it feels very kind of mill road. I was kind of almost bored to tears through the middle sections of the movie. At the same time, acknowledging, oh, yeah, they're telling a story here, and those characters have motivations. But you get to about the last 20 minutes, and it kind of becomes the campy sort of when they decide to storm the, you know, they're going to go into the speakeasy and, and fight the vampires and they get the crazy priest who's been ra- ranting and raving in the jail cell. Yeah. And he gives them those ro- those like uh, rosary knuckles <laughs> and yeah. all these weapons. You have to admit the movie for a minute, you realize, hey, even without the money, this is kind of fun. Like you're getting that almost like Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood sort of, you know, vibe. Yeah. And I was enjoying that last 20 minutes. And I almost feel this might have even worked if you had done almost like a Sin City-esque idea where these things are split up into different stories. Let's get the backstory of that vampire blood runner, you know, the iced tea origin story, how he rose through the, the ranks. Let's get the story in the trenches and let's do the last third where they have to storm the, the thing. But telling it is this one story, we don't care about the people at the brothel. We really don't. We don't care about... The, the possibility this guy has a daughter. We don't care about his baggage. I didn't anyway. And yeah. it's not a bad movie, but it's so frustratingly, like you can see the pieces were starting to align. When you get a real bad one, you check out early. And here you're like, it, by the, fine, the time it kicked in, it was so close to the end that I was like, oh, man. Yeah. I got I to finish this out because I got to see what happens. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, um, you know, and that's, that, that's what <laughs> – I'm almost making a list of uh, – because we all talk sometimes on our 
especially on movie um, podcasts and things like that, what movies that we don't want to see get remade. But I kind of want to do one that movies that we want to get remade, right. you know, right. this so is I've a perfect been, candidate. Um, yeah, exactly. And I've been, I've been, I'm thinking about putting a list together and, and of movies like these lower budget movies that w- are, have a great format, you know, or a great, like a starting point of what mm-hmm. would be a great movie. They just need maybe some better writing and a little bit bigger. They budget. had a great story. They just need better execution. Yeah. You know, right. a little bit more yeah. power to get it. out. I of almost it. wondered why did ice T take this? Because I mean, he obviously has a daily rate and they paid his daily rate for like three days and they got as much as they could out of him for three. Well, that's days. what I'm saying. I'm sure he probably, yeah. I may be honest with you. I mean, think about a lot of Hollywood's not doing anything anymore. Right. No, no, well, this is this this is what 2017. So the world hadn't blown oh, up yet. Ice T's um career was still I mean it's still decent. He's still is he still on that crop that cop show? In, yeah. Uh, no, Marie, he's in um uh, investigates all the rates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like he needs the money. So I'm shocked that he Something. did this. He did this out of love. Well, I was gonna tell you, so I was gonna say something about Ice T that a lot of people don't know is that he's a metalhead. Yeah, and then he also he also likes there goes a neighborhood. He also likes um he also likes horror movies. Well, and you know that's watching this movie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Watching this movie, you can tell that it was probably a lot of fun to make. In fact, it almost feels a little bit like a fan film of people who love this era kind of movie, right? This sort of nineteen thirties crime crime action drama. You can see. Like Ice T is having a fun time playing this, you know, this owner of the speakeasy who's also a vampire and also a criminal. Like he's having a great time. I'm sure it was a lot of fun to make this movie. I just wish it was as much fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say the uh, the most expensive thing in this movie is probably that earring in his ear, <laughs> which is <laughs> completely anachronistic. It's like, <laughs> well, uh, you know what? The irony didn't wasn't lost on me that you know he's a rap rock guy and he's playing a swing band leader yeah yeah so it's almost like going 180 degrees but you can tell again he had fun but i almost got the impression maybe he knew somebody he kind of did this out of a not a favor but you know like he knew somebody wink wink come in this film you know we'll pay you a few thousand bucks you'll get your free food whatever it is you know but he was doing it because he enjoyed it but i thought there was a nice use of shadows in this uh, there oh, was yeah. a nice, there was a nice ambient score to yeah. it, uh, and and it was stylishly shot, or at least attempted to be stylishly shot. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't that like was an a, asylum movie, which was my fear no. when it first started. It didn't look washed out, or oh, yeah. you know, someone knew how to move the camera, someone knew how to structure the story and everything. Uh, in fact, if it had been maybe twenty or thirty minutes long, it almost reminded me of like an episode of like a tales from the dark side or the, or that old TV yeah. show Mon- monsters. That was like a spinoff. Like it has that sort of vibe to it. A perfect little 30 or 40 minute story about vampire uh, bootleggers would have been perfect. Yeah. You know what? Part of this was, you know, I was hoping for more, but I had my realistic vision glasses on cause it comes from Tubi. Right. So I'm, I've got my realistic vision glasses on. You know, the whole subplot of the love story, I didn't give two hoots about that. You know, there's parts about that that you didn't care. But there's other parts of it. You could tell, as we've said, there's a love of the genre. You can tell it kind of goes through 
But I agree with Nathan. It just took so bloody long to get going. Bloody. You guys in your freaking. But I did think that Carrie McGann, as Rosie, the head of the brothel, I thought she did a good job acting wise. I I thought she did a good job. There was nobody in here that really stood out horribly. I I didn't think from that perspective. I, I I didn't think Chris Bolin was all that great, but. He was actually one of the guys here that had some of the more experience. He was on that TV show Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that one. And, and the, the director, Dan Lance, I looked at his, and he has all these wacky low-end movies. But he has one called Ninja Babes from Outer Space. So Let I got, I got it. It could be. Now let's just hope it's not a very realistic story about martial arts and the space program because <laughs> that's the hey, this movie's almost too sensible, right? It's not like silly enough up until uh the end. I, I love the point when the, the drunken priest is trying to quote the Bible and the vampire irritatingly corrects him. That's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I think where this movie took a back step was instead of being a film noir, it should have gone a little bit more over the top with the silly gore. Yes, I think, I think it should have gone more Olaf Ittenbach than it did <laughs> Dan Lance. Because I mean, if you threw a, a few neck viscerations out there, or or you you had a few people, you know, women having sex with the men and then gouging their neck off, we had some. I think fact, it would have gone a little further. In fact, public that's service announcement. should have been a lot longer. <laughs> certainly no, yes, yeah, certainly no children should be listening to this, but um, a public service announcement. This movie is listed on on, on uh, Tubi as being PG-13, and it is not. Now, I don't yeah. say that's it's not. a, it's not an extremely hard R, but it is not a PG-13. <laughs> it's on, definitely on, a hard D. On, on, IMDb, <laughs> on IMDb, it's simply not rated. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's cl- yeah, yeah. Well, it, for sure, for sure, it did. Um, now, the, now, now, I have a question for all you guys. Does anybody else on this panel know the, the club is called Chesterfields? Does anybody here use the word Chesterfield? Does anybody know what that is? In my typical well, vernacular, was, yeah. Back, back in the day, it was a cigarette. Yep, no, yeah, I, that's I, what I, I know. Okay, that's what John Belushi smoked in uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah, in Canada, a Chesterfield is a couch. Oh, really? So I thought you were going to say go it was down, a sandwich or something. No, no. If you come into the living room, go, on the, go into the living room and sit on the Chesterfield. That's oh, that's a that's a there, nice tea Is that now? Is that like a French Canadian thing? No, thing? no, no. It was more. It was more um, Western Canada. Gotcha. Okay. Go to the go to the Chester. So I was like, but so then I looked down below and I thought, oh, maybe it's shot in Canada. No, it's like I don't know. <laughs> somewhere in the states it doesn't say where so i mean maybe this just st- has that 30 sort of sound yeah that, you know, well i'm figuring so. maybe maybe gerald's right maybe it's a, a cigarette reference i don't i don't know i doubt it you're right once in a while you're right you're right once in a while gerald not very often yeah, the only thing he All got right. right was starting his podcast with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ray. <laughs> How about ratings on this one, Ryan? What do you give this? Um, honestly, I give this one like a five. Um, it's watch. It's well, I've seen it a lot worse. Um, and we'll talk about those later. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I give it a five. I think that. Uh, I think that it's watchable. Um, and like you guys are saying, the filming was good on it. Acting wasn't bad. 
So it I had some, ha- it had some like matrix, matrix, like special effects. Yeah. Some slow motion effects. So I was like, yeah. Wow, those irritated that. me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, JT? I, you know, for me, I think I'd give this movie like a six and a half. And the reason why is because I, I, I really enjoyed the story of it. Yes. 100%. You know, I, I thought it had a really cool story and the way they put it together. Yeah. There were some boring parts, some stuff we didn't need to know about, you know, but I, I just, I don't know. I liked the way they put it together. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I gave this a five, but I think it does have the bones there. Uh, I, but it needs to go a little further with either budget or storyline or just kind of refocused. Mm-hmm. but it's it's there now orion one movie i thought would add to your list if you're writing them down of movies where the bones are there but redone is that movie old i think yeah old, i haven't i haven't, I have I haven't watched, watched it and i yeah, don't know i think i think it could you know m night Shyamalan's no minor uh director but i think given a different focus it could be all right the other thing is if you go on the bottom and you learn about the facts or whatever or the trivia it talks about uh, after a fruitless nationwide search for an authentic 1930s police car, they the said, car wrangler, it. no, the car wrangler came across a barn find of a 1931 Ford Model A that had not been started in 15 years. The rapid one-month restoration was completed just in time for the first day of shooting. Miraculously, the 85-year-old car ran for seven hours straight without stalling or overheating. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. So that's kind of, it's literally, you know, you find the car in the barn and you paint her up and you get the grease going and she's ready to go. That's independent filmmaking. Folks. <laughs> yeah. That, actually, that car is probably the most expensive thing on that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. I mean? um, this is a 4.5 for me, but I'm in about the same ballpark as you. It did. It just, to me, I, I do kind of put it in that for most people, unless you really are like a hardcore a vampire fan and you really don't mind the low budgets and you're going to watch anything that involves a vampire. This is going to be way ahead of a lot of that asylum trash. It's just almost close to, you know, you could barely make it mm-hmm. through to me. It's just so frustrating because as we've all said, the bones are there. There's just not a lot of meat upon them. It's, it's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of filler. So a 4.5 for me, I'd say it is going to probably be an avoid for most people. There are better things out there that you can watch. The flip side of that is right now it is on Tubi, so it's streaming for free. I wouldn't really recommend anyone go out and like buy this one sight unseen. But yeah. Now, one question I had, to, if you guys could answer, at the end, I mean, I, I don't want to give it away. Why not? But, but <laughs> <be okay. laughs> at the end, Ice-T flies out the window in, in multiple bats, and some of them burn. Is he still living or is he not? See, that's what I was wondering because I'm. Wait, he started swinging that. He, he's yeah, still they make he a point. Missing a pinky or uh, you know. Maybe that, that wasn't the testicle out. bat that they knocked out <laughs> of the air. Son of a! <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Bill makes a good point because I did you did you not fully expect somewhere before the end of the credits or maybe even during the credits a scene of Ice T popping back up missing some body part right and maybe a finger because he was collecting the fingers remember he had the fingers yeah, yeah. yeah it would have been cool if it would have showed him dri- driving off with his middle finger in the air but it's not there like, something like, like focus, that yes exactly they focus on a couple bats scrambling around on the floor of the bedroom or whatever and i'm like is that iced tea well the guy like, even I, makes a statement like not all of him or something like that doesn't you know yeah, he like got away it's like yeah like, like they were leaving the door open for a sequel 
Um, my last statement on this, though, is I do think what Ryan says worth mentioning is this is one of those movie ideas. You kind of tuck back in your head and say, there is something here. I'd love to see it done right and done a little yes. bit better. Yeah, 100%. Give him $100,000 to make this film. I ain't mad I saw it. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. Oh, no, no. This ain't no Viking women. Hey, they spent more money on this film than John Carpenter spent on Halloween. But all right, let's move on. Years later, but but you know, I think that's the thing about independent filmmaking. It's about being creative enough to make something that can look good within your within your parameters, right? Uh, that's the Ty West thing, like House of the Devil. Like I can make this movie look great and not spend a lot of money. And the problem yeah, is I, when you set something uh, in this time period. The movies you're competing against had huge budgets, right? Like the Untouchables yeah. and movies like that. Like you need a kind of big opulent feel to these movies, and um, they just didn't. Maybe they put it. In, maybe honestly, if they moved it to black and white and cut it, it made it about seventy minutes long, you know. But um, anyway, Bill, how about your movie? I chose a Disney film for the my film. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I have this one of those older, Disney yeah. movies that's banned. <laughs> it's only only seen in Germany or something. Yeah. Uh, um, I chose one. I, I on my computer. I have a whole folder that I just basically throw any movie that looks like an oddball film. I bookmark it and stick it in there, and hope that it's still a viable link when I go back and want to watch. And so this was a, a two B movie. That I, the the name sounded odd. The poster looked weird. I was like, okay, I'll go with this one. And I gave uh, Nathan a couple, and he goes, oh, Bill, you got to go with this one. Oh, okay. Oops. So this is from 1975. It's called Poor Pretty Eddie. <clears throat> and the cover looks almost like it's um, the Million Dollar Man or something. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> it's nope. Yeah. From 1975. The director is David Worth. Now, David Worth did some films. Uh, his main one that he would be known for is Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wow. Great film. And he also did Shark Attack 2 and 3. Didn't do the original. He just did 2 and 3. <laughs> <laughs> but but he was the uh, cinematographer on Bloodsport. And he was the director of photography and on the second unit on the movie Inner Space with Martin Short. So it looks like like he worked in the industry, but he was like never the main guy or whatever. Uh, the cast uh, was included Leslie Uggams, who, if you know your films, you've heard the name Leslie Uggams. She was in Deadpool one and two, but she also mm -hmm. goes back to the miniseries Roots back in yep. the late seventies. The biggest name in it is Shelley Winters. Yep, uh, Oscar award winning. Shelly Winters for the Poseidon Adventure. She was in Lolita. She was in Night of the Hunter. She was in Delta Force. Peach Dragon. I, okay, sure. We'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember her from that scene in Poseidon Adventure where she has to swim. Everybody remembers her in her nightgown swimming and she has the heart. Oh, yeah. Etc. Um, there's Michael Christian who was in Peyton Place, the television show. He was in a few episodes of Chips. Uh, and married with children. There was now the other person in here that you will recognize yet you won't recognize is Ted Cassidy. Yes, and Ted Cassidy mm -hmm. you'll know as Lurch in yep. the Adams Family, but he was also on the original Star Trek in 1966-67. Uh, 
And he was the voice in the Incredible Hulk TV show. Uh, I think it was a cartoon show. I, I'm willing to believe. Mm -hmm. And the other name you'll know is Slim Pickens. Yeah. Slim Pickens from, if you remember the Howling, uh, he was in The Swarm. Doctor uh, Strange Love. Doctor Strange Love. Yeah, the better film. But so, you know, like it does have the bones of at least a cast the pit that can carry this off. The synopsis is a wrong turn on a jazz singer's road trip results in her car breaking down near an isolated lodge run by a faded starlet and a young homicidal Elvis impersonator. So that's a big mouthful of what the hell is this? That is like 70s all over. I have to watch that. This, when I saw that right up, won me over. We had to watch this one. I saw Any this movie and I still want to see that movie you've just read. <laughs> <laughs> now the alternate titles redneck county rape you know heartbreak, what I at least it says what it is on the tin <laughs> heart, heartbreak motel and black vengeance essentially this is a grindhouse exploitation film it, it may try to be something else but that's what this is a mid-70s drive-in exploitation you make out with your girlfriend you don't give a crap what's on the screen this is poor pretty eddie okay so we get a black female jazz singer has her car breakdown in the backwoods usa but backwoods yokel usa basically and she walks to a nearby hunting lodge that rents cabins okay and she wants to know if there's anybody at this lodge that can help her fix the vehicle and she rents one of the cabins while she's there Turns out that she is a known and reputable jazz singer who sang at the, in the opening of the national anthem to it's probably it's trying to be a Super Bowl, I think, or a very large college football game. So she's there. But the person who's working at the lodge recognizes her and says, oh, you're I forget the uh, character's name. What's the character's name? Liz. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Liz. Liz Weatherly. And so he recognizes her and he is somewhat of an amateur musician himself. He's the Elvis impersonator type. He wears your Kenny Rogers, mid seventies <laughs> beaded shirts with, but with enough with the chest hair pops out, he's really coming on to her, but he respects her. Like he wants an in, in the music scene. It's, it's in a creepy desolate location. Like your prototypical slasher before there were slashers. Your desolate location, there's woods, there's cabin, there's an oddball character set. There's a story that has all the elements going for it, yet it doesn't. There's a actually a dramatic yet decent musical score in this. It, the problem is, is some of the songs just keep getting played over and over. Mm. But this is a grindhouse, almost a video nasty type film. Yeah. And it takes a, a turn about 40 minutes into the film. Oh, it definitely takes a turn. Oh, it yeah. takes a turn. And so it starts out that he's trying to, you know, get in well with Liz. Liz wants no part of him. She's out, you know, taking photos of the woods and, you know, just experiencing the environment, you know, and he wants in her pants and he also wants the musical uh, experience and um, knowledge that she has to try to get him a gig in, in uh, Nashville or wherever he wants to get in. 
And so when she rejects his advances multiple times, let's get let the kid out of the bag, he rapes her. But it was kind of a weird rape scene, you know. But, but there were certain times when she, I didn't think she was fighting him off. I, it, it was a, it was a weird rape I, scene. I, I think in those instances with that movie, I think what it was trying to portray is that her kind of going into her mind to forget about what is happening right now. Perhaps. You know? Yes. There's a lot yeah, of. The interior mind keeps imagining things that aren't necessarily happening or maybe are happening in the film. The shell shock that it suddenly kind of comes out of left field and blindsides her. But you can see for the rest of the film, she's sort of, you know, in one hand in your hand, it's like the, the, oh, I should have done this kind of thing. You know, in her head, you see all these moments of potential vengeance, but that's not exactly mm-hmm. what's happening. And the, the, the weird part of that scene is while she's getting raped, because it's not a continual, it's not like, uh, a scene where it's five straight minutes of a rape. She'll be getting this, that, and the other, and then it'll cut to two dogs screwing. Really That's close up shots of dogs screwing. Well, every and not only that, but everyone joining around yeah. is watching them. Watching yeah. it. You know, like this is our entertainment. We've got nothing to do for 15 minutes. Let's watch these two dash hands good at it. You know, and like what is what is I was like, did Bill here? splice this movie himself? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> like a fight club style? So after that happens, you know, she's obviously upset and what have you. Shelly Winters is the owner of the cabin, of the whole the whole kit and caboodle. And she is a former, I think, a burlesque dancer or Hollywood starlet of some repute who's obviously on the back end of whatever. There's more of her kit and caboodle than I really needed in this film. <laughs> so she's kind of flopping around a lot in <laughs> nightgowns and ill-fitting dresses, etc. And she still has that pomp and circumstance that she feels that she has of being a 1940s glamour star. But she's, at that point, she's got to be in her mid to late 60s. But she, you know, and she has, you know, dreams of she wants to sell the place and move on to do some other business or what have you. Ted Cassidy plays Kino, and he's kind of the helping hand. He's the hired help. You know, he's the one who's going to help fix the car. He's going to go get stuff. He's going to bring uh, her bags to her uh, cabin. He's he's the, the the patsy, according to Michael Col- or Eddie Collins, Michael Christian. He's got some really cool outfits, as I said. These like rhinestone tight shirts. The, the chest hair pops out, and he thinks he's the next Don Everly or something. <laughs> but I kept waiting for Bertha to rip that rhinestone outfit right off of Eddie and have a <laughs> seriously. And, and she was qu- wanting it bad. I'm sure there was a deleted know, scene somewhere. There's this, you know, there's these dinner there's scenes. Slim Pickens watching on in the distance. Yeah, yeah they and, replaced that scene with the dog scene. Well, I was gonna say <laughs> this is gonna be less upsetting to people. Who who it doesn't love entertaining? Who doesn't love dog stew? Like really? <laughs> who, oh, like, it's a movie. Uh, wow. But you know, it's here's the question. This is only two years after Shelley Winters won an Academy Award. So she would have won the Academy Award and she would have had her pick of scripts. Yeah. Why does she choose this one? Two words, John Carradine. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Why would he choose? Like, you would have thought she would have had A-list directors, screenwriters, cinematographers but sending her stuff is her agent like drunk now Bill, that would be the case but it's the 70s and she's an older woman who's like overweight and sadly it's just 
that's how this kind of thing played at that that time frame. Yeah, I, you could you be on one end, and then a lot of these older. I mean, what what is I mean? Well, Slim Pickens is kind of self explanatory what he's doing here, but you know, uh, you you'd see this a lot in this time frame, and I think particularly, unfortunately, with some of the the female actresses. What I want to know: Did anybody enjoy watching this movie? I I gave this. Oh, okay, I'll wait for my rate at the end. This kind of movie is my jam. I love a good grindhouse film. I love a, an exploitation film. I unabashedly, unashamedly like this, like Last House on the Left. That's my kind of film. I don't think if you're going to be that kind of film, this movie didn't go far enough that way. I think this film kind of pretended it was a bit of an art house film and was all over the place. Yeah. So if you're going to be a grindhouse, gritty, uncomfortable film, be an uncomfortable film. This was just throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. That's what yeah, my opinion. I'll give you that. It yeah. Was, uh... See, and here's my thing. And I, me being the young, the young in here, um, I for for some reason there's very few movies from the '70s that I that I watch and enjoy. Very, very oh, few. Oh, God, there's a shit ton of movies from the 70s that I watch and enjoy. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, I'm the youngster This here, was so not like, one of them. Yeah, man. sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, let this not be your standard. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, like like I said, it's kind of hard. The movie, if I'm going to watch a 70s movie, it's really going to have to catch It's going to be for the bush. You know what I mean? It looks well, like it, it can't that. look like someone filmed it through a piss-soaked bottle. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I mean, well, look at Phantasm. Granite came out in 79, but I mean, yeah. but you know, movies like that, I can enjoy because there's, I just, for some reason, this one, I could not get into it at all. I watched it, but it's like, uh, yeah. and my wife again was like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> and this is a very specific, you know, it's not even seventies. It's that seventies, like Bill said, grindhouse drive in. Uh, sleaze thing that had a certain popularity at the time frame, but mostly is popular, probably more popular now for all the for all the people who kind of found that niche, right? Like it's it's yeah. kind of movie Tarantino would dig up, but man, I, I got very little entertainment out of this movie at all. But is this what they would call hicksploitation? Oh yeah, this is kind of this reminds me of if you've ever watched the video Nasties and you've gone through the list. This reminds me of Fight for Your Life. Hmm. Uh, with uh, Daryl San- uh, Sanderson, uh, the, the guy who's Larry and Larry, Daryl, and Daryl. This <laughs> reminds me. It's William Sanderson, yeah. yeah or sorry, William from, Sanderson. From Blade William Runner, Sanderson. yeah. Yeah. And, of course, from uh, New Heart. Now, yeah. now, I will say, I loved the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. That wedding scene was friggin' awesome. Yeah, that was I really loved cool. it. Now, again, I don't want to give too much away, but Ted Cassidy... Just comes in literally guns a blazing. He comes in on Liam Neeson. And and, yeah. and exact and it is I love the scene. I, I actually love that last 10 minutes. It's brilliant. The other guy I liked was Dub Taylor. And as soon as I saw Dub Taylor, I knew Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was in Bonnie and Clyde, but he was also in uh the Wild Bunch. He was in Cannonball Run 2. But he'd also do whatever job came around. So he got in some good ones, and then he got into this. You know, he could, But I thought he played this. He played that quirky, oddball, you know, racist hick down pat. 
I thought he was great at that. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like he, when they bring her into the into the the veterans hall, and he tries to feel her up, and you're like, you're trying to get down to business, and you're feeling her chest. Like really? And yeah. everybody just stands around and watches. <laughs> well, you know, like, uh, so this movie is clearly of the time. Yeah. Um, I can see just like uh, the way the world was in the seventies. Why this movie? You know why it was made, and you know how it would affect people. So, but like Bill said, I feel like it didn't go all the way with it. Like it didn't um, have that revenge scenes that you really want to see. They just kind of, I kind of felt like they rushed the revenge part of it. Um, I mean, they spent so much time building up the story, and then by the time it happened, and you're like, well, not even, yeah, not even the story. I I think that's a great point. Like, you're right, the quote unquote revenge, and is it really revenge, or is it just comeuppance? Because it's not quite like she's the one fully delivered. You know what I mean? Like, we watch her. Uh, debased for a good almost hour of time in between these Hicks talking about nonsense. I mean, again, I'm not saying, you know, I'm using Hicks because that's clearly what they're trying to portray them as in the film. You know, it's meant to be seedy. You're supposed to sort of be, you know, and that's a problem. There's, this is not a very endearing. And I think any kind of social commentary that the filmmakers going uh, are trying for here, which I think they are, you know, they're trying to kind of cut through and, and make some comments about racism and things like that. I don't think it's working because it's quite unpleasant. I'm not saying that uh, it's viscerally explicit, but watching, you know, it is not fun to watch him sort of demean her over and over again. And you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then he just, he drives around and he talks some more and, you know, and now we see his, his irritating friends. It was like a bad dream. I couldn't wake up from after a while and <laughs> yeah. I, I i kept feeling bad for shelly winters because she's giving it her all well and like, le- why why are you wasting yourself on this and leslie Uggams yeah. is really pretty good in the film that's kind of the yeah. problem is she's she's set up i think and if the movie really did turn on that dime and 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 there's many points in her in the film where she has this idea in her head of something she's going to do and i think had she gone that direction and then the film had just taken off from there I think we might have something that was worth remembering or talking about. And I'm sure this movie probably does have fans who take it for that. Um, but, hey, I I just didn't care for this. This is like a three for me. And I'd probably spend the rest of my time just naming movies from the 70s. The Deer Hunter, Jaws, Rocky, Dirty Harry, The Godfather. Ryan, go watch, go watch something else from the 70s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said. Mean Street. There's not. There's not a ton of movies from the yeah. 70s I can watch, but there are there are quite a few. Yeah. Now I'm talking like in the horror genre, so to speak. Yes, kind of. yeah. This particular you know, strain, yeah. You the last house on the left is almost the high water mark for this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I don't even know if I would give it a three, but that's <laughs> that I, I would I thought would, I was being generous, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna be nice just because. I guess uh, I'll give it a two, but to be honest with you, I could never have watched this film and be completely happy in life. <laughs> <laughs> we have now seen the dissension of Ryan Burke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're done yet. <laughs> yeah. It gets pretty bad. 
You thought this was bad. <laughs> what I did think you, you guys think might be surprised where I end up on the other one. But I was going to say, Gerald, what did you think of this one? So I'm, I'm not going to say that this movie was a complete turd, but it wasn't great by no means. I mean, I, I guess if I had to rate this, I'd give it, eh, you know, a four-ish. Um, and the reason why is because of some of the characters in it, you know, the Shelley Winters, the Slim Pickens, you know, the Leslie Ugams. I, I really enjoyed her. I, I just enjoyed her in this film, her, you know, her kind of shitty attitude and, you know, uh, you know, that screw you. I don't want to be here kind of attitude. I just, I really like that, you know. But some of the things that they did in this film, you know, I'm not a big fan of rape films unless there's a really good revenge exactly. on top of it, exactly. which this movie did not have. Um, it did have revenge per se, but not to the extent that I wanted it to be. Um, I think personally, when they were in the wedding scene, she should have turned that shotgun onto his nuts or something. Yeah, that'd have been awesome. That would have made it a lot better. But, uh, you know... I've always been a fan of Slim Pickens, and it's probably because of Blazing Saddles. Uh, you know, um, I just enjoyed his character. And the guy, it's really funny. I don't even know. Well, let me scroll down here. The guy, oh, that's funny. The deputy, his name was Sheriff Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it was just fun to watch them, you know, interact with each other. Uh, you know, Ted Cassidy, I've always been a fan of his, you know, I mean, of course, Lurch. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, a four, the, this movie's a rough watch. It really is. Uh, See, I, I gave this movie a six. I, I Wow. And and it's not that I enjoy, it's not that I enjoy. Twice as high as Ryan and I Twice as high. Twice as high. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We need and, an old Wilson button. Wow. Wow. And, and, and it's not that I love, like, this is a specific genre. I didn't yeah. think it went far enough. Like if you're going to go that way, go all the way. Right. Don't right. make this a half ass attempt at doing it because I, it tried that's, to... that's exactly it, Bill. It, yeah. This yeah. movie called half ass. It's like a quarter yeah. of an ass really. But, but the, yeah, the, 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 the characters were ass. so quirky. Like Eddie half Collins. Ass, half ass, half ass. Oh, a quarter, quarter, quarter <laughs> ass, quarter <laughs> ass. Half of an ass, half of an ass. That's what it is. Wow. <laughs> but, but, but like other than Eddie Collins, uh, Michael Christian, I didn't think he was that great. I thought he was, but I thought a lot of the other characters were fun and quirky. Like fun is a pejorative word, but you know, interesting, but you know, and I do love the end scene, but I agree the payoff wasn't worth the wait. I wanted a more, like I would have shot the guy right in the chest and have it blow up, you know, not a shot in the shoulder, really a shot in the shoulder, you know? So yeah, again, this is one I, you say, you know, another director would have done it better. I don't know that they would. I, I just don't think the script was there. You know? Well, yeah. and I, I think that if someone was to do that now, it would be complete. You would never be able to make this film. Now. No, you just couldn't. No. And no. Um, but like I was saying, I think at the time when it was made, this film probably hit a different way. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You know, so absolutely. And I mean, nowadays, there, there, there there are a whole whack load of films in this vein. Out you know, during that time, just back in the seventies, and a lot of them are better though than this. To be fair, yeah. 
you know, back in the seventies, we were dealing with a lot of racial issues and, yeah. you know, they, segregation I mean, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, this would have been the height. A white guy rape a black woman. Is, I mean, this would have been the height of the KKK. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you're dealing with that and you're dealing with civil rights and, you know, women's vote and like all that kind of stuff. And this, it isn't a good enough example, but I found enough little nuggets in it that I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I yeah. could if I had. So good one, Bill. I'm glad you made me watch this. <laughs> <laughs> again, this is the beauty of VOD roulette. Yeah. Yes. I had heard of this movie before, but I. Oh, really? Never... You had? Oh, yeah. Okay. I knew the title, but I, I didn't even know what kind it. of movie it was. And. Um, I, I didn't know anything about it, but I had heard yeah. the title before. I was going to say, I, I, looking at the poster, I was expecting like Steve Rogers or something. I didn't know. I thought it was Million Dollar Man here. I didn't know what this was. Okay. Well, with only up to go, <laughs> maybe. Well, we're going to let's go over to uh, Gerald. And you want to share what your movie was? No. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> Actually, it, it's kind of funny. When everybody started picking their movies, I was kind of the last in line to pick movies because I'm slow. Uh, and it was funny. Everybody was like, oh, to be this and to be that and to be, to be, to be. And I'm like, what? The? All right, I'll get on TV. I get on TV and I start scrolling through horror. And then all, all of a sudden I see the man. <laughs> Freaking Tony Todd. I'm like, oh, my God, we're doing a new movie. <laughs> a to be original, to by the way. Poster for this, and I knew I knew I had to had to do it for this uh, show. Uh, the movie I'm talking about is a new movie just came out in 2022 called Hellblazers. Uh, it's, a, it's actually a Tubi original um, directed by Justin Lee. Uh, stars uh, Eddie Marone, uh, Crash Boost, uh, and the infamous Tony Todd. Uh, and uh, Kaiser. And uh, yeah. And uh, the other the other big name that most people won't recognize his face unless you're a true horror fan is uh, the awesome John Kaiser, which if you don't know who John Kaiser is, John Kaiser did the voice of the Crypt Keeper for the Tales from the John Kassir. Yep. And it's funny. Is it whole, I've always it said is, Kaiser. It's, it's the only reason I know it's Kassir is because my uh, my it wife Kassir, in college right? was uh, roommates with his niece. And oh, so it's Casir, nice. wow, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and it, it's funny. The whole time I was watching this movie, I kept hoping he'd just break into the Crypt Creeper. Okay, like wait a, a minute. Cackle or something. Before we go any further, am I the only one who thought he was a lot taller? <laughs> wait, he's the he exact height of the Crypt Keeper? I mean, no, I'm sitting the there. The Crypt Keeper's always small. Haven't you yeah. seen him? Like, well, that's I'm what like, I mean. Yeah. I'm like, he's I always hunched he's over. I mean, come on. I thought for sure he was a lot taller than he was. But but I mean, it, it, the rest of the cast, you got Adrienne Barbeau. Yes. You got and Meg Lord. Foster. You got Courtney Gaines. Bruce you Dern. Got Bruce Dern. Bruce and you've Dern. got you've got Billy Zane. Yes. Yeah, you do. Uh, what was cool is, uh, you know, well, let me just tell you about the movie here. So I'll just <laughs> read through this brief synopsis here. Uh, set in the late 1980s, a satanic cult has a singular focus of unleashing hell on Earth. With the help of an ancient incantation, they conjure a demon, and its members are tasked with feeding it the populace of a nearby small southwestern town. 
you know, like I said, when I saw Tony Todd's face on the cover and then I read that synopsis, I'm like, dude, I am all over this because this is right up my alley. Uh, I love these kind of movies. And, you know, you, you get into this, you know, the whole small town, uh, just you're isolated and now these guys are going to unleash this demon into your small town and yeah. shit's going to go awry really quick. I, really uh, quick. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I, I like, I enjoyed this movie so much. I, um, you know, it's funny. I liked this movie more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I actually watched it twice just because I was like, man, I know I missed something, you know, I want to go back and see everything I can see. But you know, one of the, one of the, the big highlights for me was when they get to Adrian Barbo's character and she's a freaking DJ. Dude. Yeah, I know. Straight out of the fog. Straight out of the fog. There was actually a lot, quite a bit of like little, yes, little, there were little yeah. homages and stuff. In yeah, there, you know? yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Meg Foster is a diner owner. Um, you know, the one that really screwed me up was when uh, Bernard walks into the... So Bruce Dern goes to the sheriff's office uh-huh. and he's complaining about these guys. So basically what has happened is, is Billy Zane and his group of satanic... Uh, cultists. I don't know. <laughs> cultists, yeah, thank you. Uh, have summoned a demon on the property of uh, Bruce Dern. And... Uh, so he goes to the sheriff's office to tell him, uh, tell the sheriff, which the sheriff, it's funny. The sheriff is from a big town and he's new to town. He's only been there a couple of weeks. And so Bruce Turn shows up in his wheelchair going off. Throws on, a shotgun on the table. Throws a shotgun <laughs> on his desk and starts telling him, I want to report a uh, problem on my property. And, and it was funny, the interaction between them two, because uh, the sheriff's talking to him and he, you know, Bruce Darn, he plays this guy. His name's Bill Unger. And he's like, I'm an asshole, and I know you. You're an asshole, too. And the <laughs> sheriff's like, wait, Bill, did you just call me an asshole? <laughs> Doesn't he say, but I call everybody an asshole? He's but, like, I call everybody an asshole. I'm an but, asshole. But then you're talking you know? about the Easter egg thing is – there's Bruce Dern, right? Who's who's in the Burbs. I mean, lots of other movies. Well, let's talk yeah. about the Burbs because then Courtney Gaines, who's also in the Burbs, who's the Klopeka walks out of the house and Dern says, one of the Huns has come out of the cave. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and what was Bruce Dern constantly complaining about in that film was that the dog, someone let the dog run loose and crap on his yard. And so Courtney well, Gaines comes in, he's looking for the dog, and Bruce Dern's like, You gotta keep that dog on a leash. And he's going off. And I'm like, and meanwhile, you got right, you got Adrian Barbeau in the background there who's on the radio station. So it's clearly yeah. made by people who have a love for this kind of thing. And absolutely, absolutely. You, you well, can't... what really screwed me up was in the sheriff's office when Courtney Gaines walks in, Bernard, I didn't even recognize him. No, you know? no, it's and, uh... and I was as I was w- looking at the guy, I'm like, God. Outlander, we have your sandwich. And I got on, I got on IMDb, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's fucking Malachi!" So I told my wife, my wife's sitting there because she watches all the stuff with me, and she was sitting there. And I'm like, "You know that is?" And she's like, "Who?" I'm like, "You know that guy right there is?" She's like, "Looking," and I'm like, "He wants you too, Malachi." Yeah. But as as I was watching, I was like, "They only paid him for one day because he literally had the one two scenes, and he was done." Well, Billy Zane was the same way. Yeah, Billy Zane. You know, but he did look really funky in that Purdue outfit. 
He did. <laughs> dude, I, like, I love I loved that character in this dude. Yeah. When he's sitting there with those grenades. Yeah. And he's just oh, like, yeah. dude, I'm, the I, problem I have oh, with that sequence. Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, and then there's another asshole. And he's, and he's just nonchalantly sitting there. And I don't want to give like too much away here, but the problem yeah, with that to- scene is like he's got he's got it all under control right like there's no reason except for maybe bruce stern didn't have much more energy in him because he expended all the scenes what like he should have rolled through this movie i was waiting for him to show back up you know at some point right what i was thinking was is that since you know he's talked to his dead wife i think he's just he was just ready to go yeah yeah but he had him he he like he could have he was he was rocking it No, I don't, dude. I, I I really, really, really enjoyed watching this movie. That's all I was like, man. Had I had I known J, JT got lucky on this one. Yeah, yeah. He busted that. Line. Yeah, it was funny because a couple of you guys were like, "Man, you really picked a winner." This but this one. was the one I was going to pick, but instead I went the sophisticated route. As we talk about, <laughs> we'll talk the about benefit, your movie here. The benefit is we got to talk about this one and that one. But you know, uh. The the thing is, and Tony Todd's really not in that. And he's in the movie probably yeah, less than he, Bruce Dern. But think yeah, about the fact absolutely. that Bruce Dern, in recent years, uh, you know, he was in Nebraska. He was in the whole film, and I think he was nominated for that film. But in more recent years, he was in two Tarantino movies, and he has more energy and more lines and more to do in this movie than he did in those movies. Yeah, you know, he's kind of like alive, and he's like, I mean, you know, not beyond the oh, Bruce Dern's still alive, but I mean, he's got. He, he's got that spark, the same kind of like curmudgeonly attitude that he did the latter years Bruce Stern had in a lot of his films and like the, in the burbs. I mean, this movie is it's not as well directed as that, but it almost has a Joe Dante-esque feel to it. Right. It's got that oh, yeah. fun, yeah. silly, good time horror movie that like, I, uh, yeah, it's just a fun thing to watch. Did I you not I get the? I was going to say, did you not get the impression that when Dern was in the cop shop and he was given his description, that the director kind of just gave him a loose outline of what to say, and he just yeah, kind of went yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think just kind of, yeah. He was just kind of rambling on, but you know, you could tell he had a twinkle in his eye, like I'm having fun doing this. I'm going to go as far as I can with this. See, and I, I, like I said, I enjoyed the whole movie. You know, everyone in it was great. It's like, um, it's like an homage movie type thing, you know. And um, I wish I could remember because John Cassier, Ky- uh, Cassier, Cassier says something in there. For, and it was a Tales from the Crypt reference. And I can't... Fa- oh, I didn't catch I that. caught it whenever I was watching. I'm like, remember that, Ryan? Remember that? Oh, and then I, I did that. not remember it. But there's a part in there where he, he cut... It, it kind of it gives you the little reference there. But um, I loved all the references in this movie. Uh, the acting course is great. I mean, even the people you don't know that were in the movie... Well, I was uh, going to say, I'd never heard of Crash Boist, but he did a great job. Yes. Yeah, why even, why is this guy in just like, you know, two or three small indie films? Well, he, hopefully with this movie being as good as it is and us us promoting it and everyone else promoting it who watches it, hopefully he gets it get out there because I actually the I mean, I actually like I I liked all the acting in yeah. this. I don't think anybody did a bad job. I love that scene where he's driving down the road and he finds the kid's bicycle and he yeah. gets out <laughs> and he's looking at it and then he turns and these cultists are in the field and he's like, What the fuck? <laughs> But, but did Crash Boyce not kind of give you that Jim Cummins kind of vibe? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally see that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I also, I was going to say, I also didn't mind the musical score, kind of an electronica. Yeah, kind yeah, of, kind of it, deal it, to it. 
I love how they did that '80s homage in the bar when the girl was cleaning the bar. Yes, uh, yes. Daniel Grove. Yeah. Uh, when she was cleaning the bar and she's dancing and they're playing that techno beat uh-huh. and stuff. Well, and you get those classic I was dance. Like, That's right out of Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, those da- those dance. Well, those dances right. are in like all of, all the I, '80s movies. I, I, yeah. I expected Rick Astley to play or something. Yeah, and, <laughs> and this isn't like an amazingly directed movie. I could have used a little bit more of the monster. Um, I get that it looked what they what you see of it looks really cool. I just think it was yeah, clear they they had a budget, to, and I, there is a scene when you see it sort of metamorphosing, and it's clearly just got globs of raw chicken, you know, like kind of hanging yeah, off yeah. of it. It's so clear that, that was but, cool though, like how its horns grew out. Oh yeah, the design is so good that you kind of are hoping to see it a little bit more because they're kind of yeah. building and building with it. Um, and and these aren't really complaints; they're just note the things to be, to note is, you know, I've said a couple times on this episode about like not wanting a movie to be like a sci-fi movie or sci-fi original. But if you remember when the sci-fi original sort of first showed up, like in the early two thousands, they were a lot better than they are now. You know, Um, yeah. And and even when they were goofy, I remember um, there was one called mammoth, I think where it had Tom Skerritt and like, and, and it was like a mammoth that was infected by an alien and it was sucking people's souls out with its trunk. I mean, that's stupid. But they had a lot of fun with it. Or the movie Abominable with uh, Matt McCoy, yeah. where he, he's the Bigfoot across the way. It's like a rear window with the with the Sasquatch. Those were fun movies. And that level of fun, that's what this movie's at. It's low budget. It's silly. But it kind of knows when when to coast on the energy of the actors and when to kind of yeah. have fun with the – it reminded me of that. So, yeah, in a, in a good way, this felt like a sci-fi movie. Back when I would actually turn it on and watch it and expect some semblance – of entertainment and quality. I, I had a good time with it and I, I would have liked to seen Toby Todd more, excuse me. I would have liked to seen Tony Todd more. I would have liked to have seen Bruce Stern a little bit more, but you know what? They, they give you a movie that's pretty much from beginning to end. It's just a fun horror movie. And is it going to scare you? No, but you're going to have fun with the characters. You're going to hang out with them. It's like, it's that template that movies like Tremors use and Eight-Legged Freaks and stuff like that. But it works here. And this is a good example of you take your low budget and you use it where you can. And you kind of leave them wanting more. We're talking about the things we wanted more of, but we wanted more of it because we liked what we had. Yeah, right. and to link this to The Last Land of the Creeps, this the director took a cue from Roger Corman. Oh, for sure. That you, you don't show the monster till the end. Well, yeah. the difference here, they and had a looked, good monster and they well, just didn't have it fully developed. Corman's monster looked like a mop with like some, you know, googly eyes taped on it. <laughs> but the, you did, like, you didn't see it right until the last, I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever it was. So the, you, you kind of uh, were wanting it until you finally got it. The other uh, homage, at least I picked up on, was Tony Todd's character. Is he not much like Roddy Piper in They Live? Ah, yes. like yeah. he's very yeah. he's very much of that same attitude you know kick ass and chew bubblegum kind of you know yes. he's wearing a plaid shirt and goes out with the baseball now i'm assuming he died because they didn't actually show him dying i don't think he just never yeah, showed yeah, back never up did. they didn't they got it when they got attacked behind the bar yeah, yeah. but well, they didn't show him die they, they didn't really show it oh die. i was secretly hoping that all these guys would show back up in a row like the expendables and just walk down the middle of the street or wheel down the middle of the street you know i want to see tony todd show back up carrying bruce stern on his shoulder yeah. you want to know what kind of reminded me of when he came out the back there and he um for some reason and he had the i think it was an axe that he had in his yeah. hand 
or something like, like that. Like a sledgehammer or something. Yeah, it was something like yeah. that. A sledgehammer. Yeah. sledgehammer. That's yes, and that's yeah. why, because it reminded me of uh, uh, freaking Night of Living Dead. Yeah, the 90, mm-hmm. that's 91. what I was thinking, too. And I think this is what they were they were going for. Exactly. Um, and I'm like, God dang it. That, that was just something oh, else. I, but it's another one. Like, if yeah, there's, I got you now, yeah. The only complaint I have is that there's too much of that character's going to sacrifice themselves for everyone else when they already had the upper hand. That happens like three times. Right. It's like there's two examples of people blow, purposely blowing themselves up. Well, yeah. I was sitting there thinking Bruce Dern probably did three tours of duty in Nam, dealt yeah. with dealt with the Viet Cong, dealt with Agent Orange, dealt with the and then he just blows himself up. I like, think why? Well, he lost his wife. I think that's what yeah. it was. I think he was ready I, to I think he had just, he was at his, he was at the end, you know. But it was funny. They're sitting there. He's going, oh, there was one of those Purdue guys in the background. And then they get closer. Come on, boys. Come on up. Come get yeah. me. That was the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting in this wheelchair. He ain't going more than five meters ahead of him. Like, he ain't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you got to love it. It's. Like I said, man, I I really really enjoyed this film. It's uh, yeah, it made up for all the other shit that we watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Bi- Bill has Bill and I have reviewed a couple of two B original movies, and they have not been good. And this is this is a lot closer to something I would like to see them continue to do. You know, yeah, I would yeah. like to see you develop and polish a little bit more, but. At the end of the day, this is a fun Saturday night, get some pizza and beer kind of movie, and it works for what it is. I had a good time with it. Yeah, I was oh, going to yeah. say, the, when I said Craig Boyst was good, he was good. But the guy that I thought was really good was Ed Marone. I thought he was pretty good. and He doesn't have much in the way of a, a background, like a curriculum vitae of films that you would know. And I'm hoping this right. gets him into some of that. Yeah, because he did. I liked him a lot, too. I, yeah. Well, it, it, and that was one thing whenever I was looking at this. Uh, there were several people in this movie that did this film called Final Kill, which was directed by the same guy. And yeah, I haven't seen it, that. It, Have you? No, I haven't seen that either. I mean, it's obviously a low-budget type fare. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, I watched another movie on, um, I believe it was on Tubi. And I think it was called... Uh, um. The Silence, and I can't remember if it was an original or not, but um, I think it was on Tubi, and actually I enjoyed it. It was pretty cool. Well, it this kinda, was the, it, the last one that we did. I, I know that we reviewed it on this podcast. Uh, I talked about a Tubi original called uh, Swim. That's the was one I'm thinking of, dear Lord. With, with Joey Lawrence. It was horrible. It, was, it, like, it had a decent production value, but it was awful. You know, like Joey Lawrence goes out and swims like Lassie out in the water. For perspective, I think Bill gave that one a two. Let that sink yeah. in. <laughs> Bill gave it a two. Well, yeah, this yeah. movie here, the, this this Hellblazers is a great uh, film. This movie it. for me, it it was like like all you guys have said, it was a really fun watch. I thought it was a kick ass movie. I was a little disappointed in the end of it, but it was still cool. Yeah. You know, the way yeah. they did it. I, well, it's I, cool I at the end. But I wish we would have gotten a little more at the end. And I can you know? honestly say, I can see this sneaking into an honorable mention for best films of the year. Like, yeah. it's just fun. It yeah. was a fun yeah. film. Well, and it kind of leads you into maybe there's going to be another one. Yeah. I like, so I, I got to tell you, um, I mean, I guess you go ahead. Do you want to go with ratings or what do you want to yeah. do? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, so what do you think about this film? For Ryan? me, I give this one a nine. Wow. A solid wow. nine. <laughs> solid nine. 
It's a fun movie. That's hitting it hard. Well, think about it, man. Horror movies being made. I haven't watched recently horror movies made. I haven't watched one that I just kind of was like, man, that was a good movie. Enjoy. You know, like you know? I could yeah. sit back, like 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 Nathan said, get some beer, get a freaking pizza. And yeah. just have a good and time. And just have a good time watching You know movie. what I mean? Yeah. Um, for me, that I gave that. It was, now, <laughs> now, that may have a caveat of the fact that the movies I watched before this. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, so, we're looking at you, buddy. Dude, well, you guys are going to be surprised where I come down with that. Everyone's going to be mad, and I actually don't care. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm at a yeah. nine with it. Nice. What about you, Nathan? I'm at a seven, but I don't mean that in any kind of, you know, I think it kind of hits squarely for me. A seven is, it, I've, I've discussed the ratings before. I don't view it as old oh, 60s, like a D and 70s, a C kind of thing. But, you know, yeah. for me, seven's like a solid recommendation. Go see it. it. Again, kind of what Gerald said, because of the low budget, there are certain areas where I, I just want to see a little bit more. I wanted to push just a little further because it was so enjoyable for what it was but again when you take it that level if this were turned on if you turned the sci-fi channel on in the early 2000s and you sat down to watch this movie you would have been completely happy with what you when it was over you would have texted someone and said hey you should check this out you know and it just now find it on tubi oh gosh let's check this out and it's a it's a it's a seven but a solid recommend and stream it on tubi uh and it's a it's a tubi original i actually enjoy so oh yeah yeah, I gave, the, I gave this a seven and a half. I, I thought it was that for me, that's pretty solid because I'm a bit of a tougher critic and I thought this was really good. And I want to see another one. If only for the fact, I want to see Way what to crap other, on a movie bill <laughs> I, I, for the fact, I want to see what other horror icons they get into the next one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if this one's got Todd and Barbeau and Gaines and, you know, Tony Todd and Meg Foster. No. This movie kind of gave me the feel of a of a movie, a series of movies that we have talked about before on our podcast. Um, it kind of gave me the feel, a little bit of it. Uh, maybe it's the way it was filmed. Feast, but yes, feast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you took the words right out I of my mouth. The same yeah. Right out of my dang mouth. So cool. I wasn't the only one. Um, I, although I think Feast was a, I I think Feast is highly underrated. I think it's a good good series of movies. But, but if anybody's going to watch this based on what we said, go in with the mindset yeah. of it is lower budgeted. Well, here's yeah. a hot yeah. take. Yeah. I like this better than Feast. Oh, wow. so. hey. nice. But yeah, that's funny that you got. So I wasn't the only one. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. No, I it popped in my particularly. The, I think the creature, the way you kind of see it towards the end, and you know, also a movie, although it wasn't as comedic, a movie like The Void from a few years back. The basic uh-huh. plot yeah. with yep. the cultist showing up and sort of standing in the background, and there's this kind of onslaught towards these monsters. Like I think, I think kind of, you know, there's that element of it, but it does keep it fun. And I think the thing is, you know. It's it is it's it, I wouldn't say it's a gateway film because I think there's a little bit of language and stuff that you know it's not yeah. a, quite a PG thirteen but it's not excessively you know it's not excessive it's in its gore or anything yeah exactly yeah. right like it's a movie that as a as a like a ten or eleven year old kid I would have loved to kind of watch this at a sleepover party or something you know it's kind of yeah. has that vibe to it. So JT, what's your? So I would give this movie a solid eight, possibly an eight and a half. Um, you know in. Honestly, I'd rank it higher. I really, really dug this film. And I really, I I didn't know what I was getting into whenever I picked it. I just kind of went on a whim and said, hey, let's try this. Um, 
but man, I had such a good time watching this film. I, I had so much fun watching it. I watched it twice. Yeah. Just because it was so, there's so many parts of the oh, film. Yeah. I, I will definitely you know, watch it again. Yeah. Where he, you know, blows himself or, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, where he blows himself. Uh, <laughs> I can do <kill> myself. <laughs> if you want to see you know, something uh, you've never seen before, kids. You know, some of my favorite scenes, though, in the movie were with Bruce Stern. Oh, yeah. You know, that yeah. whole scene where he's in the police department just going off <laughs> is just classic, you know, yeah. classic. So I give this movie a good eight, eight and a half. You know, it's it's a definite must watch. I think this Gerald wins the sweepstakes movies. this this week. Yeah. Do what? I think you win this week. Um, this, this is one of those movies I can see myself watching, you know, periodically, periodically, yeah, I know, agree to get a kick. Yeah. I, I also got the vibe of the, the Jim Jarmusch film, the dead don't die. Like very much in that vein, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a horror, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. Well, they're Dude, all what, drawing from those fifties kind of like monster eats the town kind of movie, you know, and yeah. they really, yes. t- they tapped into that. They understood. It. They may have not done it as well, but they understood it the same way that Joe Dante and Jim Jarmusch and all these people and and Ron Underwood when he directed Tremors. Like they get it. That's yeah. That's yeah. the one thing that this movie was missing that Dead Don't Die had. Uh, if Bill Murray would have been in this, probably would have yeah. gave it. A, probably would have gave it a ten. Settled for Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I love Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. yeah, I mean it feeds off that the the other Corman film. It conquered the world. Like the same, yeah. the same yeah. kind of, you know. Well, I love that you got the same, the ancient evil sort of hanging out in the Christmas tree farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was pretty Yeah, fun. that was one thing that was weird. Is it's a Christmas around, movie, guys, right? Yeah. It's a Technically, yes. Honey, we got to watch this. It's a Christmas yeah, movie. I'm going to put that on there. Better than <laughs> Feeders <laughs> 2. I was going to say Feeders yeah. 2 in this next Christmas. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Nathan, earlier you mentioned The Void. Um, the Void was just really freaking weird i i just couldn't i like that really as you've probably surmised after this round uh i'm into weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 uh the void was a tough watch for me I, yeah i, I would i wouldn't consider i wouldn't consider hellblazers lovecraftian no not lovecraftian but i'm talking about that it, it well the void was only kind of surface level lovecraftian and i yeah, i agree gerald i actually didn't really care that much for the film overall the void i mean i enjoyed the special effects but i had more fun yeah, with this yeah. movie than with that one but i'm just saying in the kind of basic setup of the film and that right. one took itself very seriously and was trying to be a dark horror and right. afraid, whereas know, this movie did not no but i think know. this movie aiming for kind of laughs and and, and a good like kind of charming fun it delivered on that. Whereas the void didn't scare me and I enjoyed the special effects, but it just sort of like admired it more than I liked it. Whereas this, I liked it. I liked hanging out with these people and this monster. I got to say, Billy Zane is the Dane cook of horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's uh, that's some serious shade. (laughs) Really though, if you think about it though, because Dane cook was like, I mean, on top of the damn world, all the women wanted him. Yeah. Like, I mean, and with Billy Zane, uh, he's just, I, I actually like his act. I like, I love, uh, Oh, guys, he was phenomenal in demon. Knight. Exactly. I just watched that movie. So that's why he, he was killer in that movie. You know? I, I think. And what was, was, uh, was it, uh, the phantom 
Yes. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. He was in. No. Um, I mean, regardless of what you think about, it, I mean, he was popular for for a while. He was in Titanic, Absolutely. and you know, uh, several other films. And yeah, I think that uh, I don't know, but any kind of kind of fell by the wayside, and he's here. He is for about five minutes. He was, yeah. he was yeah. back to the future part two. But his scene, that opening scene that he's in, and the way that scene is handled, it gives you a good barometer. If you're someone watching this movie and you're like, oh, these guys are probably full of crap, it gives you a good barometer for the kind of movie it is. This is definitely yeah. horror comedy. And you get that, you can tell initially when with the way Zayn is in there holding the ancient book and he's kind of looking at it like it's Ikea instructions when this thing shows up, you know, you get a good idea of what kind of movie. It's very tongue in cheek, you know. Okay, we got we got to reiterate when when Nathan says horror comedy, he's not talking like scary movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I never said so to no. me scary movie is not a horror movie at all. It's just a straight comedy that happens. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yes. like I, I never understood that. Like whether you put the word horror or comedy first or last, to me, a horror comedy or comedy horror is the same thing. Everything else is just a comedy that happens to be about the content Some of horror story. movies like young Frankenstein yeah. is not a horror movie. It's a comedy about Frankenstein's right. monster, you know, Tucker and Dale versus evil. Yeah. Tucker and Dale yeah. deals almost on the edge there because you can start watching that movie and thinking it's one kind of movie. And it sort of reveals itself to be the other, but yeah, yeah. This one still stays within the limits of it's a oh, horror yeah. movie yeah. in a sense. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and now ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Get yourself some liquor if you need some. You're going to need something. Oh, I'm so proud of choosing this movie. I seriously and am. Nathan, for once, Bill didn't get the shit stick with the Tubi film. Hey, could you imagine watching this movie on shrooms? <laughs> I, I do want to talk about this one a little bit because I don't. I'm, I'm curious to hear. I mean, we've been like. There's been some, by myself included, some like underhand comments about, it. but I'm really curious to hear not necessarily what people thought about it, just just about it in general. Because so this movie is the Reflecting Skin from 1990. It's directed by Philip Ridley. I have seen a couple of movies, that, and Philip Ridley hasn't made that many movies. Uh, he is a, a, a British director. He made a movie I saw a few years back called Heartless that had Jim Sturgis in it that I, I thought was pretty good. and was, it had almost a Clive Barker feel to it. Uh, the other movie I saw that he did was called the passion of darkly noon. And it had, uh, at that point, oh. I guess an up and coming Brendan Fraser and Ashley Judd in it. And it was weird as hell. I'll admit. Uh, and it didn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but I also didn't remember too much about it. Picking this one. I see this picture and it has this beautiful, almost, uh, looks like an Andrew Wyeth painting or, or a very Norman Rockwellian. There's a, there's an old farmhouse sitting out in the, the far end of a field, and it just says the reflecting skin. And uh, the, the tagline is, sometimes terrible things happen quite naturally. Now, this is the synopsis, and this is the on the basis by which I chose this film, because I hadn't seen it yes. before. We'll talk about that. A young boy tries to cope with rural life circa 1950s, and his fantasies become a way to interpret events. After his father tells him stories of vampires, he becomes convinced that the widow up the road is a vampire and tries to find ways of discouraging his brother from seeing her. Now, even that, that's the letterbox uh, synopsis. And even that is a little bit more detailed than, than I think the synopsis on Tubi, which is basically a young boy in the 1930s believes that his neighbor is a vampire. If you were, well, Let me read it real quick. Cause I think it's important that we read it because like you said earlier, if you read this synopsis, this sounds like a, amazing movie like something i would really enjoy because it says in the 1950s a young boy living with his troublesome family in rural usa 
fantasizes that a neighboring widow is actually a vampire responsible for the number of disappearances in the area. That's got Fright Night written all exactly. over it. Yeah, you know, it definitely has I, a more kind of fun sort of feel there when you describe it like that. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, I, I think that's important because if people see, like, sometimes these synopsises just doesn't match the... Now, what do you expect? That's true. Now, I will say this everything in that synopsis, the one you read and the one I read, is exactly 100% true. But yes. we're coming at this from the perspective of a horror film. And in one sense, I think this is a horror film. I would say it's a gothic horror film or a neo gothic, maybe American gothic horror film. But it is not the kind of horror films that we've been talking about when we talked about. Uh, you know, and really tonight we haven't had a lot of like true blue horror movies. You know, the closest was was uh, Hellblazers. This, though, is not that fun kind of movie. This is an art house uh, kind of surrealism through and through. Philip Ridley is a strange filmmaker who's trying to make a very strange movie that is more impressionistic, that's intended to be more about evoking feelings, I think, than really telling a very cohesive story. Question becomes whether it's successful or not. I will say this. Uh, and I, I'm guessing most people who listen to Fam Galaxy may have picked this up about me. I love it when a movie shows me things I haven't seen before, by and large. I love to discover things that are just a little bit out of the ordinary, that's a, that are a little bit bizarre, that I might have to sit and digest for a little bit. Uh, yeah, that being I haven't seen Viggo Mortensen's ass either. <laughs> no, well, no, you know, I totally have. I don't know what that says about oh. me, but uh, I saw, you know, he wasn't, it didn't show up in a perfect murder and, and one of those movie unfaithful or I don't know. I feel like I've seen his butt more than I need to any already. Uh, I don't think it made an appearance in Lord of the Rings, but I could be wrong. That was a long movie. Um, but Viggo Morton's is in it. You're right. He's not necessarily the primary character. Lindsay Duncan is in this. She's in it probably more than he is. And she is the creepy neighbor. Uh, she's been in a number of movies as well. Uh, and her name here is Dolphin Blue. So that gives you the idea of this kind of strangeness. There's this little boy in the 30s. And again, a movie that would have touched my, in my brain, that I would have probably touched on when I heard this synopsis. Uh, because it mentions the 30s, and it kind of sounds like a nostalgia picture. I was probably thinking, even though this film took, takes place, I think, in the 60s, was a movie like, uh, oh, give me a second, uh, a movie like The Lady in White, you know, that kind of film mm -hmm. that oh. takes that takes childhood and sort of looks at it through this lens where really dark things look a little bit different or from the lens of a child, where they're worried and concerned about other things. This film kind of has that, but it takes it in such a strange austere, almost uh, expressionist way where nobody feels like a real person. This feels almost like a dream right. from the moment we get going. And uh, one of the issues here is that a Duncan Frazier, I believe Duncan Frazier is the little boy. Uh, he's this little, this kid who is right from the beginning. The movie starts out weird, right? You have a bunch of kids who run up and stick a straw inside of a living frog and I'm not sure how they accomplish this. Is this a thing the kids did in the 30s? I mean, this movie could be called Kids Are Bastards. And that would be an equally, yeah. <laughs> be an equally effective title. He walks up and he sticks. They, they put the, the and, they, and the kid, and I knew, I was like, wow, these guys are going to love this movie. When the kid says, I want to be the one to blow. You know, he yeah. sticks, the, sticks the straw in the frog and they, they, they pump it up with air until like a, like in some sort of sick Looney Tunes cartoon, it explodes and it blows up all over Dolphin Blue as she's walking 
uh, on through the field on her way home. And you just see blood go everywhere. And these frog guts are all over the place. And you're now you're thinking, what is this movie? And he goes home to where his mother, who's, who, who's very shrill and domineering and screaming at his father because he always smells like gasoline. And they have a, they run a gas pump on the other side of the road. And you're thinking, okay, that's some bad foreshadowing. I don't think things are going to go in a, a great yeah. direction here. And then you have kids start disappearing. And this little boy does start to develop the idea that Dolphin Blue, who acts very strange and is has a lot of strange idiosyncrasies and keeps to herself, is potentially a vampire. Now, part of that is because she almost tells him as much <laughs> when he finds his way into her house. And uh, in, a, in a lovely little scene where she has him hold her. Let me see how I can say this in a way that doesn't seem, sound weird. Yeah, forget it. I'll just say it. She's, he's sitting in a chair holding her dead husband's harpoon. And yeah. she is pulling out pieces of his hair and things like that that she has in a box and like, look at this. And she she's talking about how she's able to to remain young. And she's, I guess, maybe talking in metaphors of grief. But of course, he takes her at face value. His father is reading a book about vampires. And so he tells him about vampires. And then kids do start disappearing and disappearing, but then showing up murdered. And we have this big uh black car full of greasers that see keeps coming through the, the, the fields. And I mean, how many cars are coming through this town? Yeah, this yeah. is like a, this is like, a dead giveaway. It's the, it's the, it's the harbinger of death. Every time it comes rolling through those fields and, and everybody, meanwhile, was looking at this widow woman that, you know, is just walking along and looks like she weighs what, like a hundred pounds. If that, you know, yeah. Uh, so, so I, when I was watching it, and like you were talking about with the guys in the Cadillac or whatever, it was kind of like, okay, clearly if there's cops, they, not many people drive through this freaking town or this place. Like they would know when they see these people. And then like, I just thought it was so weird whenever the kid was pumping the gas for him. And like he was all grabbing the kid's chin and like rubbing it. And like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what in the, was, so what, yeah, it had some disturbing scenes on it. Yeah. It's like, what were they doing with these yeah. kids? Like, and what, the, that's something else that pissed me off about the movies. I never explained anything that had to do with these guys. Right. So the thing with the, the to kind of wrap up the synopsis part of it, you know, the, the little boy does think that she's a vampire things get crazy because his father is sort of implicated because of a, of a past transgression that happened. And he uh, sort of overwhelmed with guilt and other things going on. Something tragic happens there uh, in an extremely overwrought fashion, uh, which ends up bringing his brother back home. Uh, who's actually out in the Pacific and is tied to Ad yeah. uh, to um, atom bomb testing. And, and, and he comes back home and he's played by Vigo Mortensen, and he kind of strikes up this relationship with Dolphin Blue. Now, meanwhile, so I think it's fair to talk about this because you know, on one hand, it's almost impossible to spoil this movie because every scene in it is still going to seem exceptionally weird, even if I tell you about it right now. And there's a scene when these two little boys, there, one of their little friends has been picked up in this car and, as it is heavily implied, has been more than murdered. You know, and I'll leave it at that, you know, that there's a sense that these children have been harmed in a way that uh, that implies that they may have also been molested or something like that. You know, I think that's there. There's a heavy, the heavy uh, suggestion and that that may be more tied to 
the the sheriff in the town who has a who's an Ahab type with an eye patch, but also is got to be one of the stupidest. You know, sheriffs in mo- horror movies are, are are notoriously stupid, but this guy's the stupidest. Dude, you know, the all the people. In- he was a freaking creeper, dude. Oh, he was. And it, well, that's the thing. Everything is seen from this kind of exaggerated kid's perspective. But then they keep trying to just instill these little bounce of reality. Like, the, make us, should we care about this plot? Is this a mystery? Are we supposed to try and figure out who killed these kids? Or should we be concerned that this little boy found a mummified fetus <laughs> in a barn <laughs> yeah. and took it home, believing it to be the fallen angel of his friend who, because he was murdered, got kicked out of heaven and is now is. And the kid even says, this thing smells like fish. And what does he do? He takes it home and puts it under his bed. And he talks to it and asks it for advice as if it is his dead friend. And uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I probably would have, like I said, I would understand this movie a lot more if I was on shrooms or like DMT or something. <laughs> the thing is, once you understand, once this movie clicks, the rest of life yeah. just sort of <laughs> unmoors. It's like, it's like, you know, was it, was it uh, one of those Adam Sandler movies? Maybe it was uh, Big Daddy. He finds the, the Steve Buscemi's laying out in the trash. Like, how'd you become a bum? Well, I watched Fantasia for the 70th time and it just clicked. <laughs> so it's kind of like once. <laughs> And uh, so, with, but it keeps going and you have, you know, there's that tension between the little boy. Is he going to learn? He's slowly kind of having the, you know, the shades lifted off his eyes to see the way the world is. And yet he's just not a very good actor and he's not a, he's not a likable little boy and there's no nuance yeah. to him. So I actually found most of his scenes very irritating, even, even from this kind of exaggerated dreamlike perspective that Ridley is trying to put us in. Uh, the movie's beautifully shot. I mean, these cornfields are very ominous. To see that Cadillac come barreling down, there's one scene where the little boy sees his friend from a distance and the Cadillac is just tearing through the field. I thought that would actually kind of like, just that image alone, forget the rest of the movie that surrounds it, it was kind of, um, uh, it gets you terrified for a moment. You know, I thought, I, I had that moment of feeling of like, oh no, this just seems so awful, but it's not supported by any sort of emotions that feel like human emotions. That part reminded me of sometimes they come back. Yes. Yeah. And you just, you feel it in your gut kind of, there's just a, there's a, the helplessness, you know, Mm -hmm. from this perspective, but, but the movie doesn't cultivate any of that. That's almost the closest you get to what be to be considered a whore. The rest of it is very dark, sort of gothic and grotesque, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a horror film. Now, that being said, I liked a lot of the images in the film. They are weird. They're strange. They do feel like strange things that children think about sometimes. Uh, I kind of enjoyed where the subplots would start to to veer into stuff that felt very sort of uh, Southern Gothic or Midwest Gothic, like the the plot line involving that that husband, you get the idea that he hasn't necessarily done anything wrong, but he's been sort of hounded and attacked and then he's kind of pushed into this corner. Those are like the human stories, but they're on the outskirts of this very weird, very hard to get a handle on movie that keeps wanting to kind of do use metaphors. Like it feels like we're supposed to look at that vehicle and see it as death, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or is the end of innocence. And, but it doesn't make sense in a plausible way when you have these people who are actually killing children in the story, how invested can we be in that story? And the kid's not interesting. I think, um, and then there's just weird, there's weird stuff I haven't even touched upon this movie that is probably, if you want to discover it, go for it. Um, I do, at, at one level, I do appreciate the movie, and at one level, I did 
like the movie. It's sort of a movie that gave me strange sights to see. I think there are beautiful, weird, confounding, and, and horrible, in some case, images in the film. But I was always standing from the outside, just sort of staring in, like like looking at a painting. But at the end of the day, like, well, what the hell, what the hell was that? <laughs> what did I get out of that? And I think for me, it just didn't quite, it never engaged me enough. A movie, not in the content, but in the sort of tone of what I think they were going for, it reminds me of a movie Neil Jordan did in the 80s called The Company of Wolves. Oh, I've um, heard of yeah. that. Yeah, interesting film. That was a good one, yeah. Yeah, now that one takes place in this ancient medieval forest, and it's a play. It's uh, based off an Angela Carter novel, and it basically is a play off of twisted fairy tales. And so the visual look of the film is a lot closer to a movie like Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. or a movie like um, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. You know, it's got this very exaggerated forest, a lot of very weird dreamlike imagery. In that one, a little girl finds a nest, and when she opens up the eggs, there's these strange little, like, children figures inside you know that's similar to what's happening here in that movie the devil is played by terrence stamp and he's riding a cadillac right through the middle of like this medieval forest for no discernible reason the difference is in the neil jordan movie all of that fantasy was specifically supposed to feel like a dream and it stayed within the confines of a dream angela lansbury was the old kindly granny and you know there's scenes of wolf snouts popping out of people's mouths. It stayed in that realm of like kid-like imagination. There's a movie called Spirit of the Beehive about a little girl that sees, it's a Spanish film. She sees the movie Frankenstein and then she wanders off to a abandoned barn house where there's a, a soldier from the, the, the Spanish war hiding out. And she sort of imagines in her head that that might be the monster. Those are great films. This one's not a great film. It had moments that intrigued me, but I just left it feeling cold. There was yeah. a level yeah. that I appreciated and I wanted to like it more. And it just sort of, it didn't, it just didn't, uh, it didn't engage me the way I wanted it to. Yeah. And you know, for me, whenever I saw, I was like, Oh, Vigo Mortensen, I went in this thinking a history of violence. And uh, I didn't get that. Uh, no, there was there was history and violence, but you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I just, I could not get into this at all. Yeah. I, I, um, it was tough, very tough for me. Um, and there was parts of it, you know, they're talking about vampires and this and that. Mm-hmm. So, like when I read the synopsis, that I was like, oh man, this might be pretty cool. You know, yeah. it sounds like it's gonna be. And then it just kind of went a complete different direction, like Nathan was saying. And, you know, I think it's one of those movies that was made for a certain, like you're talking about a certain group of people uh, who like a certain genre. Um, and, uh, I mean, Bill's probably going to give this a 10. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, but you might be surprised when I do give it. Oh, I, I'm sure. Yeah, me too. I, I, I think... At the end of the day, I'm I, and it is a movie I may return to to watch again. I just think that this is not one you're going to go to to be satisfied by the story. This is very much right, an yeah. art film. I do, however, think there are art style films that are better than this one. Uh, Bill, what did you think? I thought here's what I put. I put oh, the first thing I noticed it was a BBC film, but it was shot in Alberta. So there's a Canadian connection right away to this film. And it takes place in rural America. <laughs> yeah, it takes place in the middle of Wisconsin or whatever it is. I put It has an odd yet appealing feel to it. I wasn't sure where the story was going. And the characters are certainly creepy and odd. But I wanted to keep watching. I wanted to see where it was going. And I'm not going to go over the plot or anything because you guys have done a really good job on it. 
Now, what was this punishment about drinking all the water? Was that not the oddest mom? Yeah. I'm, 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 full, I'm full. Keep drinking. Keep drinking. Very yeah, because I think it's like she was doing – it kind of seemed like the mother was like losing it, literally. Yeah. And oh, right. um, Like I didn't know if it was some yeah. weird Protestant punishment or something. I didn't know. Well, like- he was saying something before, beforehand about – Maybe getting a drink or being thirsty. Before yeah, he's was, to bed. What, was it an anti-drinking? Th- I, yeah, I maybe know. her way of trying to get him to not want to drink ever before he goes to sleep or something. I yeah, because I mean, it just basically showed the mom as an unhinged wacko. Yeah. That's what it well, she's also got this thing—the smell of gas, you yeah. know. And 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 I think this is where you get this metaphors. Is like they keep talking about that, and you can't wash away, you can't get rid of it. But they're not really talking about the smell of gas, right? They're talking about sort of the the shadow that still hangs over this family because of what this father is hiding. Yes. You know, that's what really she can't wash away. She's never been able to kind of, and into a detriment of him and, and really everybody else in the house, she's never been able to, she was, she was willing to hide it, but not to live with it. And uh, again, I think the film kind of walks a line there that, you know, it's trying, it's trying to show that these people have secrets and interior lives that this child knows nothing about. And I think that those pieces, again, talking about the movie now, thinking back, like these pieces were very interesting. I just not entirely certain that they form a cohesive whole. Um, And I think it's worth reading. I want to read a little bit of a a review actually by Matt Rawlings. who he's on on letterbox. He left a a review of this film. I want to mention because he gives it a nine. And he said, but he said, here's the line. He says, I admire the reflecting skin more than I like it. That's kind of where I am. It's very well made, but not a fun film. It's not easy to track down. If you find a copy, it's worth a watch, especially if you're a horror snob. And he did say that it's a little like Stephen King's The Body, which would be Stand By Me in a film version, Mm -hmm. filtered through Blue Velvet. That's just about right. The only problem I have with that is Blue Velvet and and Stand By Me are engaging movies. I actually, David Lynch is one of my favorite (laughs) filmmakers because I think Lynch can do this stuff and still draw you in. There's a certain warmth under all the weirdness that Lynch has that I'm not entirely certain that that Philip Ridley has, you know, because there's a coldness still sitting there. There's a scene towards the end of this film that just has this kid who sort of finally reached the end of his whatever childlike innocence he had left, and he's screaming into the sun as it sets, which I did think conceptually is really cool, right? It's the flip side of the vampire burning to pieces in the daylight, right? right? right. As the sun yeah. rises and this kid's innocence dying as the sun goes down. I think those ideas are brilliant and 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 really beautiful and evocative. And they're there. They're in this film. They just don't completely cohere together for me. Now, there's one scene I want to kind of describe uh, in a tasteful way, but I don't really know if I can. <laughs> uh, there's like a, the the movie. yeah there, there's a scene involving a chair that dolphin blue yeah. sits in yeah. and my god i need one of these chairs <laughs> she, she, let's just say she, chair make me that happy let's gonna say let's just say she goes off without with her hands being above board and it, you know what? They're, they're, I think those kids misinterpreted. I think she'd just been to Taco Bell or something and was having some, you know. Well, well, I mean, husband's hair wasn't sitting well in the stomach because that could have gone either way. You know, those were groans. I've heard people with gastrointestinal distress sound about the same. Well, let's just say her hands were 
in a way that I didn't think she was that upset until she got walked <laughs> in. On. So I'll just leave it that I didn't realize Vigo Mortensen was so hairy. I put I put that out there. And what about the dream from the neighbor sleeping with a dog with his goat and enjoying it? You know, I was like, what? By that point, there's so much stuff going on that you don't even sort of balk at it. You're just like, okay. I had to go through a couple questions in my head just to kind of recombobulate what I had watched. I had to answer to myself, is Dolphin a vampire? Are the guys in the car killers? Or is this just a slice of life in middle America in the 1930s? You know, maybe this is typical back then. I don't know. <laughs> this is what Saturday looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are the kids dying? Like, they never really say why. Yeah, who's and, killing the kids? And does Seth know more than he's saying? Like, who knows, you know? I mean, I the other vibe I kind of got just slightly was witness. Maybe the kid knows more. I don't know. So I really liked the characters. It was engaging. It kept me watching. But the, sl but the horror is slight. The horror is kind of... If, this is almost horror adjacent with a dark dark atmosphere to it that's kind of how i would put it yeah one, one thing that irritated me about it the most is like when they when they found the second kid dead the one that had gotten taken by the boys in the car he didn't say shit the cop by the car <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like and, and and there's a difference between childhood innocence and again you know just being a jerk or just being in a you know you're like you're not behaving in the way a normal child would behave at that point and right. like, why aren't you mentioning the car and why here's, here's some very, you saw this car grab your friend and you still think that this woman's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's drinking the gasoline instead of water. <laughs> it would explain quite a bit. Oh, yeah. this, I, this was one role I didn't, I had never heard of with Vigo. And this is obviously a very younger Vigo. Than what yes. we're, what yeah, we're used yeah. to. So I had to wrap it around my head. This isn't Vigo from the road. You know, no, this is no. this this is Vigo in a much different type of film. Yeah, yeah. It, I seen that. I was like, man, my wife seen it. She, he's like, wow, she is he is like super young. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He uh I, I don't know where in his film filmography this is, but this has to be on the top third of his film. <laughs> <laughs> was it an intro was this introducing Vigo Mortensen? I'm like uh, no, I don't think it was introducing. But 
I don't know, he was awful young. He was uh, yeah. his first uh, TV credit was 1984. Okay, so this, so this is a little is, bit ahead of that, but or later was, than that. He was he. Uh, it says that he played. Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. He forgot. I forgot all about that. Well, he was Tex what? in, leather, in was Leatherface. Tex. Yeah, yeah, I was sorry. He was Tex. Tex and, yeah. He wasn't. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, he, you're right. I forget that he actually had several credits to his name. Before oh, do you know this. what movie was right before this was Young Guns 2? Yeah, it was a very small role. <laughs> yeah, but, small role yeah. um, I just watched that the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they had the Young Guns marathon on. <laughs> oh both of those movies <laughs> the marathon <laughs> there's only two of them <laughs> there's three hours you're not getting back i'll tell you yeah that. exactly i actually love you i, I, like <laughs> movies, I saw the, the theater one i thought was better than the first but yeah i saw i will disagree with theater. that i think i saw the first two in the theater to be honest with you again the first two what was there seven more no there was they're very uh you know they're very much of that late 80s nine the early 90s you know a piece of that sort of I love Emilio Estevez. Emilio! The Mighty Duck Man himself. <laughs> I always think of him in that, in that um, well, several things. Maximum Overdrive, which we've talked oh, about. Yes. And yes. then uh, then that, uh, what was that uh, anthology movie where he played the video games uh, in the Bishop of Battle? I think it was called Nightmares. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. that was fun. Um, yeah, that was cool. Minute work. Minute work. <laughs> work. <laughs> seen too seen much. That. Get a rope. <laughs> St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. yeah. And Flatliners, yeah. Oh, Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. Breakfast Club. And yeah. my, one of my all-time favorites. The sci-fi classic Free Jack. Free yeah. Jack. That- <laughs> With old Mick Jagger. Yeah, Repo yeah. Man. That one Repo I actually Repo paid. Man. I, yes. I paid to see that in the theater, Free Jack. Yeah, I remember Free Jack came out. Repo Man is a classic. Yes, um, I'm a huge Emilio fan. I like Emilio Estevez. Yeah, I, I do too. Um so who else, uh, anyone to weigh in on this one? <laughs> this movie? Um, as far yeah, as, uh, I think we should just go ahead and get to the dang. Get to the rating. <laughs> get to the ratings. I, I, I want to I say one thing. I remember that I found a clip of Roger Ebert and, Siskel, uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel reviewing this movie. And Siskel was compl- kind of complaining about it, sort of similar things like this movie's so weird. It's dark, but it doesn't seem to have much of a point. And. I think uh, Roger says something to the effect of, well, you know, I'd love to see movies about people who realize their dreams and get the fullness of life. But this movie's not about that. This movie's about these people. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, well, you know, there's, there's a point there. This movie's about these people. These people are, are, are interesting to a point, but I feel like the movie didn't quite let me in to see them, you know, clearly. The one scene I did like, you know, there were a few scenes I like. The one scene I did like is what they didn't show. And there's a scene uh, at the gas station, what, what the boy witnesses. Yes. You, you have to imagine what he sees. That stuff, I think, is very effective. The, I think yeah. imagery-wise, this movie's very good and, and very well done. But, uh, okay, so let's start. Ryan, let's start with you. What's your rating on this one? <sighs> Out of respect... Because I don't think I've ever gave a movie a zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> wow. Okay. Whoa, this movie well, number I, one. I'm going to Ryan. I'm be It's number one. Uh, just to be, I mean, honestly, um, I know that um, we pick these movies randomly. And like you guys have been explaining, like the nuances and the things of the movie and the reasons why they did this and that. It was very well filmed. So, like, as far as the. So I guess I could probably give it a two or 
so for the film for the actual way it was filmed the way that they shot it um was good um but it just i like you said nothing about it drew me in like it was kind of like it was like man i don't know what is going on here and it was almost like they didn't know what was going on in the movie to me it's like they had no real direction it was going almost in my eyes yeah. in my eyes so that's that's how i looked at it so what about you, JT? I think we may have lost them again. No, I'm here. I was just no, listening. no. We're oh, listening. Okay, okay. We're just They're respectful. I was silently oh, seething. You're, you're I'm not disrespectful, bastard. Like Ryan and I. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I was uh, it, it, It's called dramatic uh, weight. Yeah. Dramatic um, pause. Dramatic uh, pause. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie, you know, I'm going to give it a three. Um, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, that was probably a movie called carnivore. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, there was something missing in this for me. Uh, like Ryan said, I mean, I, I enjoyed the way they filmed the movie. I even enjoyed, enjoyed some of the actors in the film. Like I really like Vigo Mortensen but I felt so disconnected from the characters. It was a hard movie for me to get into, you know, I, I started watching it one night and I thought to myself, I'm not drunk enough to watch this movie. Um, <laughs> so I went to bed and then I got up the next day and I, I started it over and I, I watched the whole thing and it's got some cool scenes on it. Um, there's a scene where dolphins talking to the boy and she's talking to him about getting old and how his skin's going to wither and his teeth will fall out and all those different stuff. And, and I thought that was kind of a cool aspect of the film, you know, her telling him that he's, you know, not going to stay this young, vibrant self forever, you know, and that was, uh, right towards the end of the film. But I, it was it was a tough watch for me though. I I don't typically get into artsy movies, and that's kind of what this reminded me of. Well, for myself, you know, the funny thing is, my last line that I wrote down was, "What was the point of the movie?" Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know, but at the same time, it sucked me in. It was shot beautifully. I liked the characters. I mean, the kid was annoying. I mean, yes. coming home and putting a, a fetus in your bed and talking to it. It reminded me of that movie Pin. Have you seen Pin where they talk oh, to the yeah. doctor's dummy? Yeah. It reminded me of that. But this, um, I, I'm somewhere between Ryan and Matt. Uh, I gave this a 6.5. <laughs> and my takeaway from this, Ryan, is come over to my house because you like poor pretty Eddie better. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, you all right. You all right, sir. You all right. <laughs> So, I mean, so I'm the highest on this one. I am going to give it a seven because I think that, uh, for one thing, you guys went too low. So I have to balance it out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think as an art picture, which we had, we we're all freely admitting this is, and now you are a person who enjoys art house films. There's a lot here to digest and, and, and get out of it. How, and I think it's successful on that level, but the part that it just, it, it doesn't go far enough into that mentality it's not it's not a kind of cohesive 
film, I don't think. I don't think it's completely successful as the art house picture, and it isn't successful at all, I think, as an engaging and grossing story. So, yes, I think if you go into the film for just that element, but a lot of the scenes we've mentioned, including the scene where she's telling him what it's going to be like, those scenes are very interesting from an artistic perspective. So I do appreciate, and I can see myself, I think, like Bill said, Bill, uh, you mentioned that you kind of like the characters. I don't know if I like them. I did find them intriguing enough to kind of get into the story, but there's just something missing for it. But I would say, you know, you know, how much did I like the film? I would be more like you, a 6.5. I think I can bump it to a seven and say that if you're the, if you, you know who you are, if you know these movies and you like these movies that are, that are visual, that are strange, that take a different sort of look at things from a different perspective, check it out. But just understand that this is not first and foremost, a narrative story that's telling this fun, feel good tale about a kid who discovers a vampire in his town. This is, I think it's fair to say this is not a vampire film at all. It's a movie about childhood and about the darkness that lurks around the corners of childhood. And on that level, to a degree, I think it works and I would recommend it, but I recommend it as a free stream on Tubi first. If you're someone who really loves it, great, you know, add it to your collection. I like enough strange movies that I found enough in this one to really recommend but I think what you're hearing when you listen to, uh, to to Gerald and Ryan, if you're going into this to be engaged by a story, you might come up cold on it. Yeah, and don't don't go in thinking it's a horror movie. It ha- it's it's a certain type of horror film, it, but it, it's, it kind of nibbles at the corner of horror. I don't think it's it the kind that we normally review no, or talk about. No, no, no. You, you have to have a more surreal, dark, you know, uh, mindset. Going into it, because if you think you're going in and you're going to be seeing, you know, uh, dusk till dawn, that, that, this is not your vampire film. And and if I had, you know, I think if I'd realized like this is a movie that I would have picked for a different audience uh, or a different group, I, I didn't purposely throw you guys under the bus on this one. I thought, hey, this sounds this sounds like something we. No, love. I agree with you. Like when I first read the synopsis on there, I was like, oh, this yeah. is going to be good. Nathan's uh, like, yeah, but, I'm, I'm going to really screw with these guys. I'll wait till next time. We have just we have just witnessed. Oh damn! There's going to be a next time. We have just witnessed the beauty of VOD roulette. Oh, you guys are some of the most fun people to do this with. Yes, I I don't think I don't think anybody's film was exactly what they thought it was. But at the end of the day, we watched four interesting films. Well, and this time I'm going to give it to Gerald. I think he had the, and that was the movie I originally I was like. I just don't know. This seems like a gamble because Tony Todd's been in other movies. You know, he's a great actor, but in these current days, you know, usually what happens, Tony, like we said, he's on the cover and he's in the film for a limited amount of time. It just happened. There was enough other people in the film for a limited amount of time. When you added it all together, you got fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this is one main thing about this whole thing too, is that it was fun to do this with you guys. Well, and these are four movies. I doubt that people have really heard or thought much about at all. Exactly. So I got a suggestion okay. for us here at the table. Next time we do a roulette together. So I made a comment on one of our podcast. Oh no, we were talking with, um, I think I was talking with, um, who I was talking with somebody. I said, there's not enough werewolf movies being made. Yeah. Well, I learned my lesson that there is a lot of werewolf movies. I just don't know how good they are <laughs> because, uh, so maybe we should do a roulette on, um, werewolf, on werewolf movies films. and pick wow, some that are, that could be real, uh, dicey. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because really like, could've... there's a ton of them and, <sighs> but yeah, man, there's a ton. I'm I think even, it. I think there's a thing on Tubi called full moon features. 
Oh, and, yeah, that's uh, just to the werewolves. Well, we just watched with the kids The Beast Must Die. Have you ever seen that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's kind of fun. And I love they take the werewolf break. So you get to figure out who the werewolf is. And right. the tone of that movie is so weird. It, it, it has that like hammer feel, but then it's also kind of like shaft. You know, yeah. I, I watched that on Zvenguli one night. I think it's a fun movie. I like that movie. Yeah, I, I, I call a, I call Monster Dog. Oh no, you don't call Monster Dog. You leave Monster. You, <laughs> oh, no, you, you don't. don't. Monster well, Dog stays at back. home. Monster Dog's like Charlie back. Brown. Doesn't get invited to the party. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's some that I want that because I'm a huge. I love uh, werewolf movies too. So, Me but too. I've seen all, I feel like I've seen. I know. I know exactly what movie I'd pick for Warrior World <laughs> Video Roulette. Uh, well, I don't want to be. I'm talking about some shitty ones. <laughs> wait, is, uh, wait a minute. Let wait before I agree to this. Are is our goal to find super shitty ones? Or are we gonna? Are we gonna <laughs> no, actually no, try no, to? No, don't get me wrong. No, our, our goal would be to find something. You know, just like a we werewolf did with this. movie you haven't ever seen. Yeah, yeah, like I'm gonna find something on there that I haven't ever seen that looks somewhat decent. Maybe. I'm trying to find a really good, another good horror uh, werewolf movie, you know, like Silver Bullet or um, the oh, yeah. Bad Moon. Dude, um, I got the perfect movie for you. I think isn't there about Wolf, 15, yeah. isn't there about fifteen Paul Nashy films? Yeah, There's but did you book. hear when he said he's looking for a good one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, there's a lot of Paul Nashy fans out there, and I think he's 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 like this untapped niche of werewolf films that you probably didn't even know existed, and he made a lot of them, and some of them are actually are, in, are entertaining. Yeah, I would agree. Some of them are decent. Now, now the, I just I just went in Tubi and I typed in because I had it up. I want to watch Weed Wolf. No, yeah. no. Yeah. All, we haven't even started and it's already going downhill. <laughs> I'm shaking my hands. I'm very excited now. <laughs> I tell you what, we have a buddy of ours named D.A. Roberts and he's an author and he writes... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, man, his books... I would kill. Yeah. I would kill to see his book get put into a movie, dude. Yeah, yeah. He puts out some really cool stuff. Man, man. he's got this Apex Predator series that's just freaking killer. Yeah, killer. it's. I wish that. That's the thing. I'm. That's yeah. why the reason why we do our podcast too is for that reason. So it's, we try to. It's for Da Roberts. Man, yeah, only no. <laughs> only Da. No, but yeah. So maybe if you guys are up for it sometime. Not necessarily next time or whatever, but yeah. if you guys whatever, well, we can even you know person. we don't have to be a DVD roulette. We could do werewolves, and we could just have you guys on and talk werewolves. Let me ask you a quick yeah. question because you bring this up. I did buy a movie just recently, and I picked it up out of the Dollar Tree bin, and I think it was even a Blu-ray because it got suddenly somewhat decent movies. I don't know if this is decent. It was a movie called Wolves, and I realized I'd never seen it. It has Jason Momoa and like Stephen McCaddy is in it. Oh yes. <laughs> Have I've you never s- seen that? I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, and the makeup effects on the cover look decent. Have you seen it, um, Ryan? I have not seen. I ju- it's. Uh, it was on one of the sh- streaming services. I seen it because I like I said I've been looking up. You know, Wolf. Oh yeah, Werewolf it's on Prime like- for free. Lucas Till is in it too. It's like it. It's got a decent. Yeah, David Hater. I don't know what he's directed. He's the director of it. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I like Jason Momoa. Have, have you guys seen the new movie, The Cursed? Yes, I really like that. I saw that at Sundance last year. Have you seen it? Uh, I have not watched it yet. So I, the, I was wondering if it was any good. So a little bit of a, um, and I reviewed it on on I, on this podcast, and I also reviewed it on um, uh, horror movie podcast last year for for that uh, Sundance twenty twenty one. The one thing it is, it's a really good movie. I think 
but it is playing with the lore of werewolves. It's not like a hundred percent a werewolf movie, if that makes sense. Like okay. it's yeah. maybe more like a brotherhood of the wolf that that is yeah. got all the things you maybe want, but it's not gonna if you're if you're someone who absolutely needs to see like a werewolf in the traditional sense, it's not quite that. But to me, okay. it was satisfying as a horror film. So it's like the witch of werewolf movies. <laughs> well, but, but, but it depends on how you, because I think it has those, it's, it's not like a slow burn. It has weird elements. It has elements that remind you of like the thing. And it's got a very kind of creepy scarecrows and stuff in it. And it does have monsters. I just think if you're a person that needs the monster to literally be called a werewolf and follow like the rules of like American werewolf in London or something like that, you're not going to get that, but it's not like, it's not a slow paced movie that doesn't show you monsters. There's monsters all over the place. It's just that if you, they, they, they use the mythology to do something a little bit different and new, which to me was refreshing. And I think you guys will like it because it is a horror movie. It's not a, it's not something pretending to be something else. It's just not exactly your traditional werewolf film. Hell yeah. Now, while we have you guys here, uh, I finally got the chance to watch Fresh. Have you guys seen Fresh? Fresh. I have not. I, I don't even know if I've heard of that. Oh, it's on Hulu. And I wouldn't even say any more about it if you guys no. have a way to see it because no. you just go in yeah. blind on it. Okay, okay cool. Yeah, okay. I'm going to check that out. It's called Fresh? Yes. Fresh. F-R-E-S-H. And give it a little bit. It's going to start like a sort of romantic comedy, but just stick with it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and- that's cool. We'll check that out. And there's another one I'll suggest you guys too. It's on Netflix. Uh, just start watching uh, what's called October. Have you seen that? JT? Oh, uh, um, is it a movie or a show October or Faction. October faction? Oh yeah. That's not seen that. the TV series. Yeah. Not, not too bad. I liked it. Yeah. So, but yeah, been, I'm slowly sure getting to that. I've been watching, I think it's on epics, uh, a show called from, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. dude, that is yeah. awesome. I'm really enjoying awesome. that a lot. I thought of you, uh, JT, or uh, when I was watching, I was thinking, because you and I talked about Fringe, and I thought it has that yeah. feelings of Lost and things like that, and I really like where yeah. it's going so far. It has very Stephen King-esque feel yeah. to it. That uh, that freaking scene when they fucking lock the guy in the trailer. Well, even the very first <laughs> sequence of that show, like, yeah. you know, it starts out kind of slow. And before the credits have even rolled and then the scene that follows it up when Harold Perrineau yeah. first goes into that house, brutal. You realize you're like, it isn't pulling any punches. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a cool series. I haven't got to see all of those. I've only seen like the first four or five episodes. I'm, I'm right there with you because I watched it all when they had the first four and I haven't been able to sit down and catch because I can't watch it with the kids. So right. I'm waiting oh, yeah. to catch up with it um, soon. But yeah, I really like I it a lot. Yeah. Man. Uh, hell yeah. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. And it always is. It's always a fun time to have you guys on. And I, I think we will definitely do the I, I'm intrigued now about the werewolves and see if we can find some. some good I ones. mean, the other the other option for you gentlemen is we just come on to your show. That's true. Yeah, we can, can come over that, there. Well, you want to talk werewolves? We'll come on over and talk werewolves. Dude, we are 100% down for you guys yeah. to come over here yeah. and talk yeah. werewolves. We'll do a werewolf episode. Yeah, like, um, you probably get to that faster than we will get to the werewolves because we have episodes stacked up right now. But yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. Are, We're up for are, it. Are there any films about erotic werewolves? You know there are. Oh, no. yes. Yeah. Just, just pick Howling 2 and stop. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, yeah, you guys are always welcome on our show. Yeah, Thank definitely. you for having us on your yeah, show, yeah. of course. 
ton of fun. And go ahead and tell everyone where they can find your show and and describe what they will be encountering. When I think they already know if they're still listening right now, they know what they're going to get. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, guys, we are the whole Conquest podcast. We, uh, we're everywhere. YouTube, Facebook, um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. Um, Horror Chronicles podcast, uh, and you know we uh, we're we'll let you know we're a lot more vulgar <laughs> than yeah. we were on this show. Uh, you know, not really vulgar. We just we we're say, pretty open. We don't pull any punches. You know, but we're we like we let people say what they want. So, so you know, are you saying, like, Gerald, you've never punched Ryan on the show? No, he's no. tongue punched me in the fart box. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds like something from a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> <laughs> or a film on the next VOD roulette. Uh, no. So, yes, guys. Okay. Uh, you can find us everywhere, man. And um, Ryan, here's a who? A who? <laughs> a who? Am I who? <laughs> a who and your hoo-ha? <laughs> Edit that out. Where are we at here? <laughs> Miguel gets no, well, We just like to have fun on our show. We, yeah, uh, we talk about know, paranormal stuff. We talk, we talk about talk all about... kinds of stuff. Uh, um, yeah, that's right. We talked about lake monsters one time. We did. We We have um, interviews with directors and actors and authors like D.A. Roberts and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 a fun yeah, time. We like to time. talk about everything that's creepy and macabre. And We get off the rails quite a bit. So it's fun though. We we like to make people laugh and we like to have a good time. That's what really matters. And I, and on, honestly, guys, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I found you guys. We've been well, shooting this shit for years. But what I love the episodes are kind of like the ones that Nathan and I do, where you just chew the fat about horror movies you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Or you just yeah. or you talk about uh movies that you've heard about coming up and like just off the cuff, you know, hour and a half episodes. I love those ones yeah. that you guys have. Yeah. Awesome. We man. do that a lot, especially awesome. here lately, because there's been a lot of a lot of action in the horror, horror. genre. Yeah. yeah, there have there's like five or six movies releasing every week, it feels like that's yeah. uh have you guys yeah. seen X yet? I have not. That's yeah, on I've my list. Uh, yeah, that's on my list. I was just thinking about that yesterday. Yeah. I almost watched that today. <laughs> it's good, man. And you've probably already heard this, but stay through the credits. You wouldn't think that with a movie like this, but stay through the credits. Nice. Nice. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, man. But yeah, everybody, again, thank you guys for having us on, man. This has been a great time. Yeah, well, yeah. we, we look forward to having you back. That's the other thing. You can find these guys on YouTube where you can actually watch them. Bill and I have You can see that. Beautiful no, you can see them look at, you know. Uh, you can see Gerald. It still doesn't make Gerald put his pants on, but you can actually see that. So <laughs> really you can watch me not have my pants on. <laughs> right. Well, you thought the reflecting skin was bad. Uh, <laughs> the revolting skin. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, you guys. You guys are great, and and, and the, what you don't realize is Gerald is pointing at you. <laughs> Constantly, <laughs> man, <laughs> the revolting foreskin. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know all this can be cut out, and they'll be like, "Look, Nathan, he never says anything untoward." Yeah. <laughs> I made a comment. I think it was on the real talk because I was on there. I was like, "Man, they, Bill and them are going to hear this episode and think I'm such a hypocrite." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I let my hair down a little bit, maybe. But um, See, that's anyway, what we love. That's why. We, yeah, yeah, we should definitely have that's, you guys. We bring the best out in people. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but, but but it was funny. The other night, it was about eleven o'clock. I was about to go up to read before bed, and I popped on the episode we did a year ago, and 
it was so much laughter and so much fun, and I'd forgotten how much fun it was. And we got we got to get you guys on more and more. Yeah, 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 yeah hey, man, any, good time. Anytime, anytime you guys want to come on the show together, separately, whatever, like just let us know, man. We we're always looking for anything to have a good conversation. We're we bored with each other. We need somebody else to bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we get, let's do it. Like whenever you guys want to set it up, um, we'll work through schedule. I think doing the werewolves will be fun. And let's, we can start uh, getting those details out and figure out um, what movies and stuff we'll do. And I've, I've got this set here that I bought. It was like, it's called like uh, cold war creatures or something. It has like the giant uh-huh. claw and all those like real schlocky movies, but there's one on there called the werewolf. And, um, mm. I, I don't know if it's if it's worth watching at all, but you know, uh, the, the, hey. the the death knell. How bad could it be? Right? Exactly. You know, we go up from here. <laughs> all right. So yeah, let's try and set that up in the next few weeks. Yeah, right. that sounds perfect. We can start. Uh, yeah, we'll 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 hit that up in the chat. So thank you so much. This was all the right. Phantom Galaxy and the Horror Chronicles signing out. If you've been enjoying the music here on Phantom Galaxy, the opening theme and the closing theme are both brought to you by synth-pop artist Aries Beats. He's done a lot of really cool stuff in the world of synth-pop, a lot of very interesting genre-based retro themes. You can find more of his work over at ariesbeats.bandcamp.com. And until next time, we are the Phantom Galaxy. Mm-hmm.